everybody and welcome to episode 571 of Conversation Street. I'm Michael. I'm Gemma. And this week we're going to be talking about the episodes of Curry shown in the UK between the 10th and the 14th of April. And that is episodes 10,924 to 10,929. And we're coming at you from London this week, aren't we? We're live from London, innit? In it, in it. We're, we're down in Danny Dyer land, innit? We're looking for Rufus. I haven't Rufus. seen him yet, but if we had... To, oh yeah, we're in Rufus land, aren't we, in tribute? Oi, oi, oi. That poor Rufus, alas. Um, no, we went, we're, we're, we're staying at my sister's house this weekend, aren't we? We're cat-sitting for her. We've, we've been here before and done podcasts, haven't we, yeah. I think? Um, yeah, so she's she's swanned off somewhere to go to... She's gone to go see my dad, hasn't she? Yeah. But I think, she's, I, think, I think she's going somewhere else as well. So we're looking after her cat, and Gemma's mum is looking after our cat. And then and that's where your the dad stops. will look after our cat. <laughs> no, my mom, your mum's looking after my cat. Well, then your dad, your it's your all okay. Dad can look after my mum's. It's cat. all okay. So if the acoustics sound a little bit different again this week, it's because we're in an echoey flat room, and there also might be some traffic going past. So sorry about that in advance. And there might be a different cat noise because it's a different cat, <laughs> but she's. Uh, so we will get back to recording in our in our normal um residence i guess next week but i mean no just making a little little easter trips aren't we um such as our trip to manchester this week which we are allowed to talk a little bit about and i'm sorry for everybody that was looking out for us doing a bonus podcast this week didn't come didn't come even though we've been on super adventures isn't it because Yes, we did the tour. If you had had to look at our Instagram or social media or whatever on Saturday, you'll see that we had a lovely time on the Coronation Street, the tour, on Saturday. And uh, we can talk about it a little bit, but we they thought we'd decide, we decide to um, put the episode talking about the tour back a little bit because... You're going to have to wait. Why? Because it's a secret, special, suspenseful we, we surprise. Well, yeah, we, we did have a little sneaky look at some of the stuff that's coming later oh, it's a secret. this spring never say. in the tour. I'm literally and never going to tell you We have all. recorded stuff talking about it, but we want to wait until um, like the official announcement comes later this spring before we can talk about it all. Oh, that's cool. We've got a video. I've edited a great video together and everything to do. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it, I promise. But that, that did kind of mean that we... Didn't have anything else yes. up our sleeves for a bonus Secret. podcast this cast this week. But you can go and have a look at our, our YouTube and our Twitter and our Instagram and all that if you haven't done so already and want to go and have a look at the lovely things that we did. And it was great. It was lovely going on the tour, wasn't it? It was um, It was different this time. We, they took us around a different route and everything. We're not going to talk any more about it because it's a secret. Okay, fine. Whatever. Can we talk? We can talk about other things we got up to. Not, not much curry stuff. That's why we... I'll tell you what another we didn't. reason get is ro- that roast chicken oh yeah rotisserie chicken still didn't get the rotisserie chicken that we talked out. about last week we tried it furious. twice twice they they refunded me <laughs> and i'm just mad fuming fuming it's false advertising but what we did get to see the super mario brothers movie which we talked about on the show last week didn't we yeah enjoyed it it was good. Yeah. I was very, I know, you know, I like my Nintendo. If you've been listening to the podcast a long time, it is my other secret obsession. Well, it's not secret at all, no, is it? It is my other obsession. So I was a little bit worried that the Mario movie would be a bit pants. But I liked it. Even Gemma enjoyed it. It was funny. I was laughing my head off. Yeah, you'd only had a little bit of cider beforehand and during, hadn't you? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, it was good. I it wasn't was... drinking cider when I was watching it. Oh, no, you were, what, you were drinking wine, weren't you? Yes, I was being classy. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's great. It's, I'd, I'd, I'd say go and see it, but looking at the box office numbers, um, it's quite possible it. that you already have. Um, but no, we, we did that. We, we we did other Coronation Street thingies. We saw we saw uh, Georgia and Charlie, didn't we? We had a lovely lunch with them on Sunday. Had a mm. nice Easter lunch with them. Just like I, you, you, you had, had you all had roasts, didn't you? And I, I just had um, I just had a burger because I'm you're I'm a philistine like that. Because you're a horrible contrary man. So that was very lovely, and we did get to see um, a couple of other curry. Pe- we we went to we had we had lunch on when was it Monday? Yeah. We had a, we had a coffee with Dom coffee, from Curry lunch. Archives again. Um, who who's our he's our new friend, isn't him. he's he? great. He's, he's so, lovely, he knows lovely everything. Man. He's so and. It, yeah, he's just really nice. He knows me. everything about coronations. Oh, well, maybe you don't. He knows everything. We didn't ask him. He knows everything about everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly sure. So that was quite cool. We had <laughs> we had lovely. Ch- <gasps> he gave us a present, didn't he? <gasps> gave us a thimble. <laughs> right. He gave us a Toya Battersby thimble <laughs> from 1999. Treasure it's brilliant. Now. Do you know? Do you know where it is? Yeah, it's in the glove box. Oh yeah, we still car. got it in the car, it's haven't a lucky we? Oh, we should have brought Toya Thimble in here to be a little third extra member on the Hello. podcast. Yeah, what do you think about it, Toya? She has been talking to me <laughs> from time to time on the end of my finger. She's really rude. She swears so much, like a trooper. I know. So um, thank you, Dom, for our present. Thank you, Dom. And uh, while we were having coffee. While we were having coffee. Somebody sat next to us, didn't they? Oh yes, he did, didn't he? Chris Gascoigne came and sat next. Yeah, we went with Dom to Costa. In uh, in Media City, and then and you kind of looked over and you kind of nudged me, didn't you? And like, went, Chris yes, Chris, that's Chris Gascoigne. He plays Peter. He plays Peter Barlow. I didn't <laughs> say he plays Peter. So I kind of had a sneaky look at, and he looked, he looked very Chris Gascoigne, didn't he? He had his yeah. cap on. Yeah. He had, had his, his glasses barber, on. Barber jacket. Yeah, and I was. It was because we were. There's like a couple of booths there in Costa, and we were just booth buddies. Well, no, we weren't booth buddies. I'd. Assume yeah, that we were in the, he was in the booth next to us, and I was like, going, "Oh, I was like, oh, I just want to cool. like turn round, be cool, and say hello, Chris Gascoigne." But I didn't, didn't no. because I well, like, respectful. Yeah, so he he was there enjoying his whatever it is that he celebrity uh, that he drink. drinks. Yeah, and uh, and we didn't say anything, and and you you did you say you, did you like make eye contact with him? No, I don't think so. He just recognised it was him. He, 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 On the know, way out, I had like little look, but no, he was, he was reading You know, I'm paper. very humble and I don't make eye contact with celebrities. Well, I just, I just t- t- duck my head down like out, like and tug my forelocks. We, we did have another Corrie encounter later that day, didn't we? Because when we went back over the well, bridge to, um, to, to, re- to return Dom to Media City yes. from whence he came, <laughs> we, it, was, it was just about starting to, to rain. We had to walk him home to make sure he was safe. We did. We had to make sure yeah. we got back to the right place and he didn't accidentally go to... Emmerdale or something or like fall in the canal <laughs> so we turned around I don't know how he manages normally we turned around to walk at, uh, back up uh, away from the gate and there was James Craven I think he's stalking us he plays us. Aaron he plays Aaron didn't ask the Aaron but he's lovely We, we, we when yeah. did we meet him before it was earlier this year wasn't yeah. it it was back in February on our last trip to, uh, to yeah. Manchester James Craven happened he's tell you what he's, James Craven really is the nice. new Shelley King because oh. it always seemed to be that we bumped into right, Shelley yeah, King yeah. outside the studios. We've not seen her for a few years now. But James Craven Some is lovely. She's just a ghost. Very, really. very tall, but lovely. He's like He's so really nice, nice. And he recognised us and said hello. He did recognise. That's, that's how you know you've made it. Yeah. He's like, hello guys, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, what are you doing here? It's bank holiday yeah, Monday. What are you doing for doing work? Um, and I, he, I just say, I hope you're all right with all the, the story that's did. going on. Yes, we like, talked oh, about no, the rape story. been quite nice. Yes, uh, he he wasn't actually in there to work. They're not slave drivers at Coronation no. Street, by the way. He he. I don't. And even, then I when we were going over, when we were going over the bridge back, 
Oh yes, we saw Chris Gascoigne again. With an umbrella. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked to we talked to James for like two or three minutes yeah, or so, didn't we? But it was we? chucking it down. It's it was getting worse. Yes. Yeah. And and um I never I didn't know it rained in Manchester. I know who'd have thought it. I've but never yeah, so we, we hurried back over the bridge um into the main bit of Media City. Um and yeah, and you were like, Michael, Michael, has Chris Gascoigne again? He's under an umbrella and he was. And everything. You wouldn't have known it was him because. How did you know it was him? Because because he was wearing, funnily enough, the same clothes. Ah, that he was wearing not ten minutes. This is. I mean, we've we've spoken before on the podcast about the correct way of walking around Media City at all times, which is eyes up, eyes up, look out for curry people. (laughs) It sometimes works. Like generally, as the as the antisocial introvert that I am, eyes down at the floor is the usual way to go for me. Well, I'm normally looking for money. <laughs> just put any yeah. extra coins that yeah. you can pick up off the floor, but no. So, or maybe that's how you saw um, Chris Casco, and you were like looking down, and you kind of had a like, look are, underneath his celebrity underneath trainers. his umbrella. But he carried. You, we weren't going to stop him to say hello for for a, in in the rain. But so we went back. Thought, yeah, we went back. Sorry, Chris, we can't give you an autograph now because it's raining. No, so um. In our penultimate day of our trip to Manchester, we were we we'd seen we talked to one curry person. And I don't want them happy with that. I wanted to get at least one more. I wanted to get a photograph. So Tuesday, which was our last day there, I got up at a ridiculous time. You I kept got, saying, oh, well, are we going to go to the we're gates? We're going to go to the gates tomorrow, like, no, aren't I'm we, Gemma? Going. And you're like, I'm no, I'm not. And I, I just you, thought you were saying that. I didn't think you actually times. meant it. I said to you three times, I'm not going. I thought I'd be able to wear you down. And well, I did kind of eventually, but not for my early morning me. trip. So I um, I ended up getting up and I went to, the, to outside the set about... Half seven, I think, on Tuesday morning. Sun was shining. Yeah, people like to hear yeah, this sort of stuff. Fascinating story, yeah. There wasn't anybody there. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody there. Um, and I and I kind of I didn't want to I didn't want to just kind of stand around like a loner. So I did hmm, I did like weird. a little tour, and I went. I was like walking from the back. I went round to the front. Went round to the back again, went over the bridge, went back again. I didn't stay there for too long. And I did see a couple of people like from a distance. But I did, they didn't look like curry people. I didn't look like actors. Um, but they might have been able to sneak in. If I were them, I'd be like hiding around the corner in a bush or something, waiting for yeah, me to, 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 to walk away so that they could launch in. Um, yeah. but, but, but they didn't. Uh, and I didn't see anybody. Um, so that was very sad. Um, and so then I went back to get you and we, we loaded up the car and everything and then we took uh, we loaded up on breakfast oh, yeah oh a lovely breakfast at the holiday and weren't they great mm. apart from those anemic vegan pancakes that they one gave day, me one Michael day Michael had pancakes and they just looked like washing up sponges <laughs> but it's alright I covered them in bacon and golden syrup and they were fine anyway um, so we went back me and you went back to the gates um, later on that and day and then I got mugged Oh yeah, because <laughs> it started, started to rain again. We still hadn't seen anybody at this point. Started to rain again, so we decided to go and shelter in the Imperial War Museum. And you got we didn't you got go a... to shelter in the Imperial War Museum. We stood under some trees. Oh, was that where was that where our stopping point? Oh, yeah, anyway, we got like, accosted by oh, can I talk by to a charity man about about transport? I was like, I love it. Yeah, go ahead. There's nothing I would want to talk to you more about right now. He wanted to put up cameras around the area well, was, so that people wouldn't ride their bikes. He was like, he he worked for the sustainable transport, whatever. Yeah. Cause, and, it, and it, he basically was just saying in a very roundabout and, and nice way that everyone was fed up with the cyclists 
killing children. <laughs> and I was like, I, I'm, I'm really, I could go either way on it. I'm not that fussed. Well, he was like, I said, I, I don't want to keep you here for too long because I know it's raining and everything. And they just talked and, and talked and talked. And he didn't come talked. to the point for about five minutes. No. And I was standing there just eyeing the back yeah. gates of the coronation. There were, there were people coming out. It's, like, it's all right. I, I think they're all production people. I don't recognise any of them. But anyway, by the time we'd finished talking to him, it, it like stopped raining. Park. So we went back over there again. And then no, finally, excuse me. I what? want everyone to acknowledge I've got to pay £8.50 a month. You do now have to pay £8.50 for sustainable transport in Manchester. <laughs> so if you're on a bike and you get fined outside the Imperial War Museum for running over a toddler, you can thank me. <laughs> you were trying to haggle with them, weren't you? I was you? like, I don't want to pay £10 a month. I don't even live here. <laughs> can I go down lower than £8.50? I, I was like, can I, give you, can I just give you £5 now? He's tapping it into his iPad now. It's like, no. No. Sorry, Got to be eight pound fifty. <laughs> they saw you coming. Anyway, we went back over to the to the gates, and to cut a long story short, we did see Chris Gascoigne again. Yeah, we were we were standing right up close to the gates, and Mr. then I saw movement, and I saw saw a oh, hat. Oh, that's that's the, that's the sound of the special food. Yes. Um, yeah, Chris Gascoigne, and he wasn't working either. Like we only saw people that weren't working. He was just like, oh, I'm not. I'm, I'm not got any. I just, got I just love hanging around moment. outside. I just wanted to come in and have the a back look. Back of the audience. So um, back of the audience the, the set the yeah. studio yeah so we, we spoke what did we speak to him about I just said um, we said hey Chris well, Chris we, we do a podcast and he was like oh yeah he didn't, he didn't know who we are because he didn't so, so oh yeah he's people like, on the yeah, curry cast it. who do know Listen. we are you're not talking about us enough no, you need to put up some flyers and things everybody should know who we so, are. so he was like oh yeah and I said yeah we do it for 11 years he's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he, he was quite incredulous he about was quite, the fact that no, we've been doing it. No, I don't think he's incredulous. It. He's impressed. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. That's yeah, such yeah. a thin he's line like, between wow, the two of them. It's nearly as long as I've been in coronation. Stage. And he was, he was, he was friendly when he chat for like five minutes. He was or really so. friendly. Um, and, and and he's like, oh, you've been watching it since you were little, then. And I was like, right. <laughs> I said, oh no, I, I got her watching it. I went to Kent University and I got her watching it. I said, if you love me, you got to love Corrie. And he's like, that's weird. It's usually the other way around. Yeah, I got mugged so many times in my life by men forcing me to give my I money or watch television. I think that's a very television. sexist viewpoint, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> no, it isn't. No, 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 it isn't. It's true. <laughs> right. um, anyway, we, we talked about that and we talked about... Um, Stuff really, it was nice. And then he was just about to leave, and, and you asked whether you could take a photo of me and him. So now I've no got, one would believe it otherwise. Now I've got a photo of me standing next to Chris Gascoigne outside the Corrie Studios, and and with that, I was I was happy. I, yeah, that's what I came to Manchester for, really, to see the tour and, and get a photo, get a photo with, with a cast member and one that we hadn't met before as well. Yeah, it was so really brilliant. nice. And we spread the word, so one more, one more person. He's probably one more poison doesn't know who we are. Is. <laughs> like, okay, you've been doing a podcast for eleven years, and so not sure why. Well, he asked whether we were for ITV at one point. Yeah, it was didn't like, we? well, like, yeah, who, they, who we did you should... do that for? Did you do that for like ITV? <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> no, independent. We do it for for money. Yeah, that would be that would be ideal actually. <laughs> you and your money hungry ways. Oh, oh, sorry. I sorry. I like. I think that you should be rewarded. We do it so that all people on the Coronation Street cast can know who we are. Damn we're not it. doing a great doing job a great of it, job. are we? We need to write individual letters to them all. <laughs> anyway, that right. that was that was our trip. We had and a lovely I time. I myself by reading my book, which is called Strange Manchester, and I found yeah. out about um, an alien abduction <sighs> and a ghost. You and your cryptids. What else was there? The Beast of Berry. I don't remember. And I also um, ID'd a few plants that are growing around. Oh yeah. And found out that there's a, a that there's a big patch of um, 
a wildflower which has a just outside folk, the Corrie set. This is a folk name of flowers of death. Well, what was there's also something like it was like ragwort, wasn't there? Like, like the dandelion nanny or something, yeah. nanny. Quite interesting. Yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. I don't know how interesting this is to you guys. We're 15 minutes into the podcast right, by this point, then? so um, hope you're invested. Quiz yes, time. that was our trip to Manchester. There is a lot, lot more to come about the tour itself. You'll just have to wait you for a little wait. bit it's longer. Like, we like we can't Wednesday tell when we you were about like, it Oh, yet. what's happened to Rufus? <laughs> okay. Right. Um, no, no, no. There is more. There is more. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yes. I'm not, no, I'm not kidding you. What is it? I just need, want oh, to mention about then. a bottle competition. Go on then. Because one of the other things you might have seen on our social media this weekend is pictures of our lovely new Platinum Edition Coronation Street water bottles doing a little tour of, conversation, of Coronation Street. I can always get those two mixed up. Coronation Street. Um, so as we were leaving for Manchester, did we say this on last week's Can podcast? I got a feeling we might have it. done. We 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 almost run over the postman who was delivering our. No, he nearly backed, he nearly into, backed me. into us. That's right. And I had to beep he him because I panicked. Our, I was like, I, I can't think we remember how the car moves. Stop backing into me. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. So we got these platinum edition water bottles, and we and we took them on a little trip of the set. So we got photos of it, and I cut, did a little funny photo of pretending to feed water to the cabin paper boy. And anyway, that exact water bottle, that very one that has been on breathed the, the same air as Coronation Street is oh, now up for grabs just so you know, for a competition. We definitely opened the lid and we got some of the air from the set inside the bottle. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. There's there's actual Coronation Street air inside that and water got, bottle. And we got Chris Gascoigne to blow into it. No, that's that's not true. We at didn't all. know. No. Um, the, well, this, you can win we, it on our I think Twitter. we need, I think we might need to say as well that this is this has been kindly donated yes, by uh, one of our listeners as well. Thank you very much. Who who bought one bottle for themselves and yes. one for um, a listener to I'm win. Not sure if they want to be anonymous, but. I, I don't, if you want to say it, you please do shout it from the rooftops. Um, but anyway, it's a competition that's going right now on Twitter. So you need to follow us on Twitter. We're at Conversation Strew. I'm sure you know that already. Find the post. You have to like it, retweet it, and follow us, which I'm sure you do already. It's like yeah. worth 25 quid. It is worth like 25 quid. And there's only five of them in existence, literally, in the whole universe. Yeah, you will get one fifth one. of the world's supply of our Platinum and Coronation Street, Conversation I Street, quite like water one, bottles. I can't afford it. Yeah, we well, maybe we get one in the future. We have to buy five, don't we? And yeah. Um, so anyway, that, go, go on to us. You've got until Sunday yeah, morning it, yeah. to do it. Please do. Enter our competition. Obviously, I'd much rather it was one really of our lovely listeners. I would like a listener to win. I'm not sure it. everyone who's entered knows. I don't know whether everybody who's podcast. entered. I don't think they've read the label. I think a fair or... few people that entered it on Twitter may think that it's actually a Coronation Street water bottle, but actually it's a Conversation Street water bottle. As I was like, I get them confused as well, but I, I would like it to be one of you lovely guys that, that wins it. So get there, like, retweet, and, um, and, and fingers crossed and good luck and everything. And now we can move on. Gemma's chance to Quickly shine. Quickly quiz. The quiz. 10th to the 14th of April. In years ending in oh a three gosh. and an eight. And I've got this from Coronation Street. Why are, you writing, why are you saying it quickly? Fast. It's fine. It's fast. You've got to get on with it. No. 10th of April. People, these people got things to do. They can 10th listen to of April, 1998. Who convinces Mike to stop funding Deirdre's defence? Um, Alma. Yes. War a bitch. <laughs> 10th of April well, karma comes back and bites her in the cervix yes. doesn't it <laughs> oh my god you can't say that 10th of April 2013 what do the twins and Simon fall out over following the death of Sunita the twins and Simon mm-hmm. fall out they will get and Ella. they will end it. up being looked after together because you know dead mums and everything 
and mm-hmm. uh, they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. this is what children sound like, yeah, 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 yeah. and then they had an argument. I'm thinking, but I think I'm wrong, that this is when one of them bashed their heads. So. Do you think Simon <sighs> pushed them over? I don't remember. I know I know that there has been an incident where, like, Ardy bashed his head, maybe, or something. Yeah, we can did. tell. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Tell me. Simon. I'm going to say bash head, even though I know it's not that. Simon's like, my mummy's in heaven, but your mum's going to hell because oh, she burned gosh. down the pub. <laughs> That's mean. It is mean. Simon's mum, Lucy, made her debut on Classic Coronation Street this week, don't you know? Dead. Yes. 10th of April 1968, final appearance of which two characters related to each other who die off screen? 10th Nin- of April 1968. Yes. Two characters, I'm not actually sure if we even saw one of them, but two characters leave. <laughs> final appearance of a character that we've never seen. Two characters leave, but they yeah. never come back because they die. I'm going to say Dennis Tanner. And? And... Baby Tanner. So you think in 1968 we never saw Dennis Tanner again? I can't remember when he died. Dennis Tanner died after he'd already Not come Dennis back. Tanner, I don't mean that at all. No, I'm wondering what on earth you're saying. David Barlow. Yeah, David Barlow and Dennis retract- Tanner. Thank you, David. Oh my goodness. And, and what then? Um, oh. D- David Barlow and, and Dennis Tanner's the- baby. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Was it Darren? Yeah, I've just David. written David and the baby. David and the baby. How many points do we get for that? One point. <laughs> One point, even though I said Dennis Tanner. <laughs> Dennis Tanner died. Um, that was just an imposter coming back in. Uh, okay, well, I'll give you two because you might not get a few of these other ones. Oh, thanks. 10th of April 1978. Why is Mavis depressed? Um, this is just really a joke question related to another question. That's <laughs> the answer. I don't really know. Um, I'm going to say it's Derek related. What do you think happened to Derek or with Derek or to Derek? Is this when... <sighs> see, I'm going between two options here. What's the other one? Do you know what my two options might be? No. What? I'm either going to say it's to do with a cutlery set yeah. or I'm going to say it's to about a cruise. a cruise. Yeah. No. It's because she's 40 tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Maybe he's going to be 40. Oh dear me. Right. So old. So, so 11... old 40 year olds, Gemma, aren't they? Oh, sorry. I think I'm. Everybody makes You're jokes about it. How are you finding it? It's actually fantastic and I love it. Oh, good. I've got that to look forward to in a couple of months' time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 11th of April 1973. Mavis was never 40. She was born but born, 60. She was born 65, yeah. <laughs> 11th of April 1973. To prepare for her upcoming role as mayoress of Weatherfield, what lessons does Annie Walker take? <laughs> what? Uh, elocution lessons. Yeah. The only type of lessons only type of that lessons. a posh lady takes. Yeah. Although most of them don't need them, Annie. Just saying. Well, she got fed up, apparently, because she kept... She was waving her hands around too much. She got told off for it, so she... Is that what they teach you at elocution lessons? Don't wave your hands around. (laughs) Right. Somebody needs to take Italy to elocution lessons. (laughs) 11th of April 1983. Why is Mavis depressed? (laughs) Don't try and trick me. I'm not trying to trick you. you. You really want me to say she's just about to be 45? Yeah. I'm looking at Gemma's eyes and she's not giving anything away. And what do you think the answer is? (laughs) <laughs> um, Derek I don't, I don't get what you think 
Okay, Derek what? Has gone on a cruise. No. Has, has, has kept no. the cutlery set. No. Mavis is 45. No. <laughs> so actually, she's going to be 46. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I know. It doesn't make sense, does it? But I just thought it was funny because... How does that make sense? Has Mavis' well, age been I don't record? know. I don't know. But it made me laugh, so I thought I wrote it down because when I do the quiz, what I do is I open all the windows for all the episodes that were in a certain year. And it was just funny because I was reading, 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 and then it was like, Mavis is depressed because it's her 40th birthday. Then I was reading, 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 it's like, Mavis is depressed because it's her 46th birthday. Are you looking at the right years again? Are you looking at the wrong... I'm going to check this after we finish recording, I'll tell you. I don't care. I just think it's funny that she always gets depressed around her birthday. (laughs) This is why you have birthday cake. (laughs) So overcome it. You know, the alternative is worse. 12th of April, what? I don't know. She guess she had... Derek and Victor you can't to age backwards. Twelfth of April, nineteen eighty-eight. Who offers to help Ken put John behind bars? Um, is this a character? Is this a main character? No. I, well, somebody else that John Lindsay has defrauded has, has frauded at some point. Wow. A lady. Yeah, a lady. She doesn't have a name. A lady, what? What's the point of her? Who is she? she? Uh, uh, another one of John's women. What do you call a man's woman? <laughs> wife. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. His ex-wife, Mary Doherty. Good. He left her with £17,000 of debt. Nice. 13th of April, 1998. A convicted murderer comes to I've Nick's... missed the year. What did you say? 1998. Okay. A convicted murderer comes to Nick's class to give a talk about how bad prisoners... Who is he and what's his name? Right, well, he's the guy that, that did the old stabby stabby with Brian. Yeah, he is. It's naughty man. I think his name was Darren. Yeah, it's called Baby da- Darren. Is his name Darren? Yeah. Is it Darren Wheatley? Yeah, Darren Wheatley. Wheatley, yeah. Wow. Wow, nice. see? How the heck did I know that one? Well, <laughs> you criticise me for, for asking you questions, but the, it allows you to demonstrate... Your 11 years of podcasting. Prowess, I think yeah. you were going to say okay. there. Four, final question. Okay. 14th... We're going to talk about this week's Corey suit, honestly, everybody. 14th of April, 2003. Which family are held hostage in their own house and why? <sighs> mm, um, I thought you just died. I'm going to say the Helson... <laughs> the Helson family. The Harris slash Nelson family. Yeah. Is why, that, is yeah, that a point why, for that? Why are they being... Yeah. Because how did they get? They got they got found by the people who they were trying to run away from yeah, on their witness why? protection. How why? That's not important. They got found the by plot, them. The plot line is generally try to have some kind of cause and I effect. Don't... Katie gave it away because she's a stupid idiot. Katie, she, I know. Katie, Katie. Do I get a point? Idiot. But oh, I've kind of lost count of points. I got more than I didn't get today. Well done. I'm quite impressed with Darren Whiteley. Birthdays. Waitley. 15th of April, Eric, producer Eric Prythurch. Oh my gosh. That's a good name. 16th of April, Betty Hardy played Clara Midgley and Anita Carey played Joyce Medley. Who's Clara Midgley? I don't know. Is it a relation? 17th of April, Gordon Rawlings played Charlie Moffat and Paula Lane played Kylie, Kylie, played Kylie Platt. 18th of April. What? Eric Spears born. Nice. Director, David Cunliffe and Kenneth Farrington, who played Billy Walker. Lovely. 18th of... No, I've done that one. 19th of April, William Moore, who played <laughs> Cyril Turpin and Susie Blake. Everyone loves Susie Bevan Blake. Win. 
Bavan win. 21st of April, Bavna! Bavna Limbaccia. He plays Rana. De- um, dead. Dead. That's the end. That's the end of it. it. No more questions. Move on. Ready? You sure? Yeah. You want to talk about this week's curry? Yeah, move on. Street talk. Right, okay then. So, um, if if you've been following our adventures in in watching this week's Coronation Street on on YouTube this week, you'll realise I've not been a massive fan of the whole week. So, this is with some trepidation I record tonight's Street Talk. Although, um, definitely tonight's saved it for me (laughs) in a a very good way. Um, We're going to start off with a Rufus Killer storyline. Do you get it? Sounds like Ruthless, doesn't it? Um, And then we have got... Damon in the sack. Oh no! I don't like that. <laughs> what? Why don't you? Why yeah. Don't... Yeah, because it's grim, isn't it? Yeah, but it's supposed to sound like demon in the sack. Yeah, That's yeah a... I get it. I'm like, stupid. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm in a um, bad mood. Michael's just been mucking about. I, I know. We 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 have had a bit of a break between filming that. Get on with it. Okay, Freddy or not, here Roy come. <laughs> That's here, Roy, here, here Roy. Here Roy comes. Come. No, that doesn't make sense. That's not what we say. I don't get it. Never a lender to Glenda B. (laughs) Oh, there we go. You hadn't heard that one before, had you? And then we had a bit of a return of the Acid Ryan story at the end of today as well. So um, (laughs) I assume that you want to take the lead on the Rufus Killer story. I I have to apologise as well for this. Like my, uh, um, My notes for this were all a bit jumbled, so... Paul was kind of involved in this storyline without realising it. And originally I had the Paul stuff separate, but then I thought I'm going to put it back into it. I did that before tonight's episode. He didn't even show up in tonight's one. Um, So I've kind of got the notes for what happened to everybody else on Monday. I've got to explain this. Okay, Because people might not understand it. Yeah, get on with it. What happened with everyone else but except Paul? Then we'll talk a bit about what Paul did. <laughs> then we'll go to Wednesday and talk yeah. about everyone else but Paul did. And then we'll say what Paul did on oh, Wednesday. Oh, no. Sounds boring. Right. <laughs> Gemma is in a really, really <laughs> rotten mood this evening. I want to get on with it. I want to watch Succession. What do you mean? I want to watch Succession. <laughs> that, is, that is many hours away, Gemma. I know. I, I know. To you, I'm afraid. It's, it's longer when you moan. <laughs> I'm not moaning. Monday. Shut up. <laughs> right. On Monday, in the cafe, Stephen tells Elaine about the Gazette wanting to interview him for a piece on Nipper Snapper going global, because it really doesn't make any sense, so they're like, please tell us more <laughs> I just, about your improbable business like, success. This is just like the John State thing again, isn't it? Like, unusually large um, amount of interest amount of press interest on this. No, I'm not going to... I mean, okay, having a, having a serial killer is maybe a bigger story than whatever this business so deal man is, sells but... t-shirts to Americans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ronnie's, Ronnie's listening in and tells Stephen, oh, I hope you're going to give Michael some credit. Then Stephen gets a call from Rufus, who wants to see him in the factory in an hour. And Stephen tries to put him off, but Rufus isn't taking no for an answer. Oh, how's that going to turn out for him? <laughs> Stephen gets to the factory, finds Michael's there working on designs. And then Stephen says, oh, I'm going to have a meeting. Michael's like, oh, I want to come. And he's like, no, you can't. You're not, you're not dressed properly. So Rufus... Yeah, Stephen's This was like, Bank Holiday Monday, by the way, yes. which means that everyone was out of work. Stephen wants to put Michael off, doesn't he? Because obviously they're, well, they they're going to be doing dodgy business. Blackmail. Monkey business. And, uh, Mike, and Michael is not allowed to hear about that. And well, there's 50%, 25%, 30%. So yeah, he tries to palm him off yeah. by saying... Well, yeah, they want well, to talk about... You're not black- dressed right. So Rufus arrives and Michael turns up and he's gone home to put on 
like a nice outfit. And Rufus is like, oh, how interesting. How good to see you. And Stephen's like, oh, no. <laughs> Rufus, I know he was like, um, Stephen gets the last laugh in this, but Rufus is still at this point just lo- like loving a, making he's a, Stephen he's a squirm. Scamp. <laughs> Rufus tells Stephen that Michael's got really great designs and he's a star in the making. Oh, is this just all an elaborate prank on Michael? I don't know. But I was just going to say how ironic it is that by the end of the week, Rufus is a star. Oh, up in heaven he is <laughs> so um, so he sends Michael off to make some tea and then Rufus tells Stephen right I want 50% on the American deal and Stephen's like I can't like, remember what his percent was before was he like on 30% before that I can't he's remember he's just like really pushing it Stephen says I'm not going to be ripped off here Rufus and then Michael comes back with the tea and Stephen gets rid of him by saying oh Sarah wanted you to go to the hotel for a meeting because she's having a, a shagging session mm-hmm um, and obviously that. needs Michael's help. Michael goes to <laughs> Michael goes and then comes back, but um, he because he gets told by Sarah, no, I don't know why you're here. Oh, I, can, I can shag a bloke myself. I don't need help. <laughs> I've done it lots of times. <laughs> um, so he comes back and then Rufus says, "Come for a drinks with me at the pub." So Michael and Rufus are in the pub and Michael's talking about, oh, I don't feel very appreciated by Stephen. And Rufus says, why don't you come and work for me then? I need someone like you in my London office. We didn't even know you could make T-shirts down in London. We just wear shirts. <laughs> and Michael's like, interesting, interesting. Well, I don't know because I do have a child here. What about and yeah, a family. Of children? Do children in London, do they like wearing the same outfits as their parents? Listen, mate, I don't even think I've seen a child in London. It's going to be a brand new world for everyone if you bring your kid here. Although there is a zoo, I think. So maybe you could leave the kid in the zoo. I don't know how it works. <laughs> so... um He's like, no, my whole life's here. Also, my mum cries when people leave ha- home and makes everyone feel guilty. <laughs> so maybe I should stay. And Rufus is like, whoa. Well, Aggie's just got massive attachment issues, hasn't no, she? No, she's just like, Dewey, just standing there like, another one's flown the I don't think, like, I don't think before this Wednesday's episode we'd even seen Aggie for months. It's no, just I don't like, think so. just she comes out sad. to say goodbye to a child. So yeah. listen... In, on the street, you're either a sad mum or a dead mum. Which one do you want to be? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Rufus is like, go home and sleep on it and come back and tell me tomorrow. I think we should do an EastEnders podcast. It would be perfect, yeah. And do all the voices. <laughs> Michael tells Ronnie about well, the offer. When in London. <laughs> yeah. And Ronnie says, you should bite his hand off. Cut the apron strings, go to London, make something in your life. Don't stay here. Then cut to the Paul story. So this is what happened with Monday with Paul. Billy goes off to work. Paul phones Damon to try to get him some work and because he can't get hold of this contact. And Damon says, I can't help you. Just go and steal a car. It's like, do a crime. It's simple to be a criminal. Just do a crime. Yeah. And um, steal a car and tell this bloke you've stolen a car. Yeah. So it sounds like Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> so... Um, Paul sees Michael chatting with Rufus and he sees this car and he is very interested. He asks Michael who this guy is and is he coming back again because he wants to nick the car. One thing I will say about this week and I and I was very much down on this week is I enjoyed some of the story crossovers that we got. Yeah, there like was. having Paul involved I'm in really this intrigued as, and... to, as to how this is going to tie in because yeah. there's a lot of like dodgy things that could mm. get... 
We will talk. We will talk theories okay. in a bit. The right. other, the other one time that I'm really sorry. I know it's late. The other thing was when um, Glenda came in and she kind of stuck her neb into the Roy Dog story, didn't she, in the cafe um, earlier? And uh, it was Glenda and Evelyn and Shona and a few others, and maybe even Sarah was there as well. So I appreciate it when Curry takes the time to do this, even if it won't make my notes a little bit confusing. On Wednesday, Michael is stressing out because he can't get in the shower. Why don't you move out then? And um, she has to fight Dee Dee who wants to do a poo. She wants to go upstairs. She doesn't want to do it in the downstairs toilet because I want to hear her. Um, but she, she has to do it down there. I would just go to work and do it there. It's like, um, it like a power move against Adam. I bet they haven't even got running water at that lawyer's office. They're probably doing a bucket in the corner. So don't <laughs> well, make eye contact when you're, in the, when you're on the bucket. Although, I mean, where are you going to scrub down after you've done the deed on the desk? They've just got a... a, a Bottle of Mr. Muscle. <laughs> That's probably what got him in the mood. Right, so um, Rufus goes to see Stephen. He's still fuming about this um, idea that he's going to get 50%. And he's like, I'll never be able to afford it. Oh. And Rufus says, <laughs> you're getting a taste of your own medicine. You're, get, you're getting a taste of your own medicine. I can't do the voice unless I do the elbows. I have to stick my elbows out. I, I do love the, the accent back and forths. I know. I, I can. I do think it we're all just perfectly voices. capturing it. I mean, as I said, we are we are in London recording tonight's podcast. I don't know whether you get, there's going to be like a mob I, of people who say, "I I I heard you're making fun of the way we talk, round here." No, they're like, "I heard your beautiful voices from outside," and I was drawn in by the drama and fun. <laughs> um, you so, got a top bird there, mate. Thanks very much. So <laughs> Rufus says. Yeah, you got to taste your own medicine. And Stephen, he's like, you got, you basically have no choice. Um, and then Stephen shakes his hand and says, I promise you this will be the last time you come out on top. And it's like all these oh, scary oh, sound effects and I, stuff. I, as, as much in as it was good. Now, yeah, in hindsight, in hindsight. It's better. But at, at, at the time when I was watching mm, this, I was, that, that really mm, doesn't work. You don't need to... Even, well, even no, now, I'm going to say right, it's well, not necessarily needed. Well, but we'll fight about you, it. you should be able to have a villain make a threat against someone it. without having I like music and sound effects to say... Guys, guys, viewers, I, I don't know whether you picked this up from the dialogue or the performance, but this guy's trouble. I think the next thing we need on Corrie is like musical motifs at the end of a scene, like to let you know what's just happened. Like like when um, when Damon and Sarah were shagging it, it should like end with like, la 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 la. <laughs> no, that needs to be a bang, chicken, wow, wow. Or like, was... what, what kind of like mysterious music could you have at the end of a. Or like dastardly, dun 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 dun. They like might the as well have Stephen that as soon as Stephen comes in. Dun, 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 dun. And then, and then we can just have you know the audience cheering as soon as as, yeah, as Evelyn live. comes in. Welcome or something. to this episode of Coronation Street, <laughs> filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> Tell you what, the um. And the... I was me Rufus. Boom. Bye, <laughs> Rufus. And they'd have had to have piped in a good load of laughter for Roy's wild salmon joke tonight, wouldn't they? <laughs> Which, by the way, and I'll get it out now, yeah. was was no, what it was in. It was a joke that Roy told on the show in 1996, and that wasn't something that I found out myself. It was pointed out to me first, and I shamelessly stole it. But we put it out on Twitter. There's a scene from December 1996 where a very chipper-looking Roy, because he hasn't always been so maudlin and 
po-faced. He slowed down Come, like a tortoise. Yeah, he comes into um, the corner shop and tells Maureen and Maud the same wild salmon joke. So I just love the idea that over the past, you know, 25 plus years, Roy, this has been Roy's on one to go-to joke. He's like, so there's some day someone's going to get this. People don't get it. That's the problem. Um, anyway, sorry. So this is, Stephen's threatening Rufus. Um, yeah. We had no idea what was to come. Michael's a bit miffed later because they're doing this interview in the Gazette about Nipper Snapper and he wants to be involved in it. And he ends up walking out and Sean and Lizzie think he's quit. He, he walks out of the factory, doesn't he? Because he's not allowed in the interview. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I'm fed up. I'm so not being appreciated. Nobody Michael cares what I think. phones Rufus and he says, come around my house later and talk about this London deal, innit? So he goes and tells Ed, Ronnie and Debbie and they're like, oh yeah, great. You should do it. But he's a bit... Ed's like a bit nervous and he's like oh if you're gonna move out of the house your mum's gonna cry it's gonna make everyone's lives ha- you know what she's like she she likes to cook everybody kippers and mushroom pate favorite breakfast meal um steven comes into the pub and michael has a go at him and he's like oh, i'm quitting underworld i'm gonna go work for rufus i'm going to london screw you screw you bye at home aggie's like pretending to be happy but she looks sad when when uh, Michael walks out. The guy is like, he's in his mid-twenties now. It's, it's about time, time to leave. Maggie. It's time to leave. You don't all fit in that house, do you? Not Let's really. be honest. Then we get to see Rufus's tacky house of crap. It is a rented house, isn't it? So I don't it's know. Rented, I don't think everything there had, is his own personal decor. Yeah, but he could have chosen like, whatever house he wanted. And he chose the one that's got like a mirrored female that's the main thing that stood out to me the tacky mirrored mannequin it looks like yeah. a disco ball in in female form didn't it, was, it i just i thought it was great it really suited rufus's um personality to have this like just like <laughs> temple of tack it was yeah but oh that swimming pool was nice wasn't it i, I probably d- wouldn't want to swim in it now um i mean if it's cheaper <laughs> when, when it when the, when the house gets um, rented out to the next person the buyer's gonna be like has somebody died in here yeah. Um, How did you know? Well, the corpse gave it the, away. The um, yeah, the whole um, the concert. It was lovely. It was very, very nice. It was just yeah, not, really badly not, not decorated. To my taste, the decor. Oh yes, it wasn't for me. That's what you're supposed to say, mm. isn't it? Mm. It's not for me. Um, I'd so, buy it at a knockdown price though. Now the house. Yeah, it's been cheap. It's been a murder. Yeah. So it's cheap now. I just yeah, just drain the pool water. It'll be fine. Sell it, Stephen's murder water. Oh, Sell yeah. it on eBay. I'd buy a bowl. <laughs> we so, can, yeah, just imagine if our competition water bottle contains some of Stephen's murder water. <laughs> Please bowl. do not drink. <laughs> right, so in his in his palace of tackiness, he's wandering around with his white toweling robe on, or dressing gown as we call them. And he <laughs> opens. You, I what we were talking about that. Well, that's what they're called when a they're made of towel. That's what they're called when they're made of towel. Oh, I don't call it that. Well, some people call it a house coat. What? Yeah, I know. So he opens. Michael's just really confused now. I had all sorts of words. So Rufus in his tacky palace opens the door and he's like, "What are you doing here?" And you're supposed to be like, "Who could it be?" Are you supposed? It's obvious. It's it's Stephen. Yeah. So Michael then shows up at this house, um, and he's looking around trying to knock on the door. No answer. Phones, phones Rufus up and he leaves a message saying, where, that, where are you? And actually it would have been a good idea to have actually listened to what this answer phone message was because that will be significant at some point. Quite it? possibly, yeah. Well, he he wasn't there to answer the door, but somebody else was there, weren't they? Having a sniff around old Paul, what's he been getting up to? Was he there at the same time? 
roughly. Oh, he was, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. the Paul story. In the Paul story, Paul calls up Chesney saying, "Can I borrow your car? I want to pick some stuff up from work. I'll have it back by tea time." Then he looks out the window and he sees Rufus pulling up outside the factory in his fancy car, and Rufus gets in his car after the meeting with Stephen. And Paul's watching, and then Paul drives Chesney's car, I guess. Yeah. But then, how does he get Chesney's car back? I don't. I, 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 I'm I not don't very think good at we're stealing cars. To know about that. See, in Grand Theft Auto, I just steal matter. a car, and then when I park it, if I forget where I've parked it, I just steal another car. Yeah. It's much easier. So, um. So. 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 <laughs> Got to get so, this bit right. This is important. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> Rufus gets in his car, drives home, pulls, see, watches him, then he's driven in Chesney's car to Rufus's house. He's sneaking around and he sees that he's Rufus is in the conservatory <laughs> and he notices he's left his car keys on the table. As you do, you know, tapping away at your laptop. Just well, you leave lost my your car. keys. Where were your keys My today? keys were in my pocket. Yeah, yeah we very he... nearly couldn't come to London because we couldn't find the car keys. It was good about four or five minutes, I'm yes, going to say, we're looking for them and they're in my pocket all along. But what, uh, yeah, I did, it was it was you know, very convenient for the plot and everything, but I don't know why Rufus had his car keys there. Well, he had to have them somewhere, laptop. didn't he? He had and to have them put somewhere. a hook by the door. Put him in a little wicker bowl. Put them in on Give top Give them to of your them. housemaid to say, here's, here's my Throw keys, love. Throw them at your housemaid and go... Go and park put... me car for me yeah. in the garage. Take it down Tesco and get me some more wine. <laughs> so it gets... Uh, so he's taking these keys and... Well, now he's watching to see what Rufus is doing. Rufus goes... Um, gets up to leave. So Paul jumps into, into action, grabs the keys, nips off, jumps in the car and drives off start stealing this car. <laughs> And no idea what happened to him next. Because he doesn't show up in tonight's episode. That is the sound of the water coming down the chimney. What is? Can you hear that dripping? No. Yeah, anyway. Um, you just keep looking over there like you can, you're no, listening. I didn't hear. I'm not hearing anything. Yeah. I just had a funny thought that at some point during this evening, the police are going to have to account and work out why three random unrelated men from the same street were in this man's that house that was murdered, nowhere near where they live. <laughs> oh, it's all right, it's Craig investigating, isn't it? He's like, I'm always, it just happened to be walking by when things happen. You know what it's like, well, that's how you crimes, Street guys. On Friday, at number three, Michael's still trying to call Rufus and he's leaving him messages and he's getting very stressed because he's quit his job again. And we think he would learn the first time he impetuously told someone at Underworld to shove the drive out their bum, not to come crawling back, but no. Um... And he leaves a voice message with Rufus where he basically is like begging for his job. And then by the end of it, he's like, well, I don't need your job anyway, you stinking bumhole. Um, what? <laughs> Nothing. Aggie comes down and says, just ask Stephen for your job back. So Stephen and Elaine are in the cafe and they're talking about the fact that he needs a new designer now Michael's quit. And Nina's like, oi. I know fashion and design. And Stephen's like, well, excuse me about looking at you. You don't. Yeah, Stephen, like, has been a, a massive bitch. 180, doesn't all he, on Nina? morning on, on Fridays. Like, I don't care what stupid little degree you have and whatever. I don't care. And Elaine's like, oh, Stephen, how could you be so rude? I don't know what's come over you. I, I, I'm kind of a bit confused about... You know, has Underworld always had an in-house designer? Why, why is it that well, as soon Sarah as Michael's... Was doing disa- it. 
ones. Yeah, but they they nipper snap is a different thing, isn't it? Nobody works at Underworld can possibly work out how to design a t-shirt. That's really advanced. <laughs> it's like because I, I can't remember what happened with Nina and she, they, she they mentioned it in tonight's out. episode about her running out in the middle. I can't remember why or what happened with that, but I, I, it doesn't seem to me that they are in that desperate need of a designer because they've coped for quite a long time without one. But, yeah, but they've mind. got all these contracts and they haven't got any good ideas for funny t-shirts like I'm Trouble and I'm With Trouble. They just need to watch back the old episodes of Benidorm like we're doing and say, right, what George what, Shuttleworth is wearing Kenneth's there? What's he got on his t-shirt this week? Let's nick it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I assume that Kenneth from Benidorm can't possibly exist in the world of Coronation Probably Street, so not. therefore, Although anything that has ever been exists. on one of Kenneth's t-shirts could legitimately, fair yeah, fair game to go on one of the nipper snappers. Although they're all, <laughs> all a little bit rude to have <laughs> with your kid on as well. Zed cars exist in Coronation Street, so oh yeah, Zed cars exist. Yeah, I want to know when Evelyn was watching that when she was little and seeing all these um, future Coronation Street stars having their bit parts in it. Anyway, anyway. So. Yes. Where are you? Well, you've I'm just moved at the top. it. I'm just at the yeah, top. Yeah, so Stephen's like, no, you're rubbish. At the factory, Sean and Izzy are gossiping about Elaine being into Stephen and he, him not really being into her. Then Michael comes in looking for Stephen so he can grovel. Um, he gets told he's at the cafe. So he turns up at the cafe to ask for his job back and and Stephen's like, no, I've given the job to Nina because she's better than you. And She's like, what, really? Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I'd love... I've got a great idea for a, a T-shirt. It says FBI on the front. And then the back, it says female body inspector. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's like... Be, Stephen's being really rude. He's like, Michael, you you suck. <laughs> You're really rubbish at designs. And you have no spirit. But Nina, look, she's drawn all these pants she's got a b-tech for crying out loud what have you got and he's like i've got a business degree but for some reason steven's got a business degree and and he's still going to steven tell me all his tricks how do you sell things no he did is that what he said he had he had a business degree he's a got degree a, he yes he's got a business degree how do you think he came up with that genius idea for the app that's applause i missed do you remember it. that yeah of course I he could forget <laughs> He thinks he's got the right qualifications anyway. But. So he sends he sends him on his way. And uh, Elaine's like, Stephen, oh, you're such a bitch today. <laughs> Elaine's contribution to this. I think it was because like we went weeks with Elaine not being in it at all. And then they were like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. They're in kind of a secret engaged, aren't they? And getting a flat together. Let's, been, just have, been let's just have Elaine sit recently. in the cafe with some scenes with him they for some reason. breakfast, cooked breakfast every day, these two. I know. Back at home, Ronnie's telling Michael... This is what you get for telling Stephen to stuff his job and being rude to Rufus over voicemail. Why don't you go back to Rufus's house and try and get your job back there? So they go there and they find it swarming with police, including Anthony Cotton's mum who's crying in a car. <laughs> yes, it was Anthony Cotton's mum. Anyone else recognise her? She she's been in Coronation Street she's like five, five times different now. roles now. Mm-hmm. Last time that she was in it, she was playing somebody who'd won at the bingo and got mugged. And um, Beth saved her, and everyone's like, "Hey, Beth, you're so brilliant." I think that's right. Um, but she'd also been like um, an aunt of Dennis Stringer back like twenty odd years ago. She, I was looking down her Coropedia page earlier. She played an old crone in one episode as Lovely. well. But yeah, she. So she apparently this woman was a like a, a seamstress up until the nineties, and then she saw. What do you mean this woman? This woman, Anthony Cotton's mum. She wasn't right, always an actress, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and then she kind of was looking at her son, Anthony Cotton's um, career kind of taking off. And she was like, I want a, I want a piece, piece of that showbiz pie. You can do it. I can do it. And then so she became an actress and she's been in loads of stuff apparently. So Good for her. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe that's what I'll do. Yeah. So she was a, she was a snivelling housekeeper in tonight's episode. <laughs> yeah. She's crying in the car because she found Rufus drowned in a swimming pool. Oh no, says Michael. It wasn't me. I, it's funny because like Ronnie and Michael are there and they're just like oh police tape just gonna walk underneath this that. doesn't it we're, it's this all right is, we're, we're main characters me. everybody just trying yeah. to get my footprints yeah. everywhere so that you know that I was definitely here <laughs> so they go back to the Rovers and Stephen's there and he gets told and he's like oh my gosh this is so shocking I need a pint of miscreants please <laughs> that was good and just to spoiler alert Michael I'm gonna score my uh, episodes out, out of points of miscreants. Yeah. Okay. Out of what? Miscreants. Sorry, I said that wrong. <laughs> so, uh, is he surprised or did he murder him? Well, I was sitting there watching this and I was like, at this stage, I was maybe like 96, 97% sure that Stephen had bumped Michael off. But then like in the back of my head, there was a bit of me going, oh, what, what, if, it, what if he didn't? What if it wasn't what if it him? it was just an accident? Maybe he did just drown in the pool. Or maybe someone else is... Mo- or no, funny. actually, we knew that somebody else had turned up at the door with it. Yeah. What bloody hell are you doing here? But, like, it would have been really good trick of Coronation Street. Not that I'm complaining about how they did one it. You But it would have been a good trick if no. we'd have been led to think that Michael had... Sorry, that Stephen had killed Rufus. But, but it was actually, actually Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was anyone could, worried it could actually, have been Michael? Actually, it was Anthony Cotton's mum. But let's imagine <gasps> that it was the housekeeper. Mm. Maybe she's like... She, maybe she's the heir to the, to the like Rufus. And like a like, Christie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I was there going... Is Stephen acting surprised? Is he? That wasn't. I was really trying to read the expression. I wasn't getting much, but I was like, think. I think. Well, obviously, by the end of the scene when he buys that pint of miscreants, it's like, yes, it was him. He's he's done it. But who was serving him? Glenda, probably. Glenda, give me a pint of your finest guilty evil man <laughs> beer, please. Give okay, one for one pint of guilty Canadian. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I must... love that maple tang. <laughs> must have been Glenda because Jenny's been um, missing in action Anyone, since yeah. the uh, wedding. Anyway, before he orders his pint of naughty man beer, <laughs> Ronnie tells him that, well, Ronnie's like lying and says, oh yeah, Michael had a meeting with Rufus and got his job back. Yeah, yeah. And, and, my, and obviously, I He's, think, he... Stephen's like, well, when would that have happened? Because I was there. Mm. and I spoke to Rufus he would have brought this up he can't have had a meeting after he died because that doesn't make any sense <laughs> so therefore Michael's lying so yes. how can I spin this to my advantage so I think he was more preoccupied with um, with like with, thinking with, his brain yeah, spinning like Ronnie's how can I use lies. this yeah Craig Craig's with Stephen later and Stephen tells him about what Ronnie and Michael have said about him meeting up with Rufus and he's like and they're like, oh, it looks like Michael might have been the last person to see Rufus alive. <laughs> so, um, then Craig wants to speak to Michael. And for some reason, he dis- he like commandeers Stephen's office to do this. And so Stephen's sitting outside with Izzy there, being a cheeky little git, sitting, drinking her tea. Izzy's- and Stephen's like, how long is your tea break? And she's like, as long as I want it to be, none of your business. What's going on in there then? Well, come on, be fair to Izzy's missed about three years worth of factory gossip when she was isolating at home. You know, she's got yeah. to she's got to get it where she can. Well, I don't blame she her. She was really unintimidated by Stephen. 
um, which I thought was quite funny. Is she going to die next? (laughs) Who knows? She's got no respect, that girl. So, um, Izzy, yeah, he, he says, he tells Izzy that about Michael seeing Rufus. Oh, yeah. And then Izzy's like, what, do you think he did it? No, no. No way. Maybe you should think that. He wouldn't do that, would he? I thought that was great how he was kind of dripping the idea into her her ear there. Yeah, that was really good. Um, Meanwhile, Michael's telling Craig what happened. And then he says, um, yeah, well, you know when you were told that I was the last person to see Rufus alive, I actually didn't see him at all. That was a lie. And and Craig's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? What? Hang on, no. You said something that isn't true. Craig's like... That doesn't make any sense. You're just making it more difficult for me. No, hang on a minute, because this this changes everything. This, actually, now things make more sense. So you're telling me sometimes people say things to me that aren't true. (laughs) That, no... I guess so. Yeah. Now I look back over some of the cases that I was involved in. Hang on, I've got a few cases to solve. I'm (laughs) sorry, I've got to leave you here and go and investigate. Obviously, Michael is making himself look mega guilty here by backtracking on what. Oh, is he dead? Well, I didn't do it. I wasn't there. I never went to see him at all. It's all a big lie. Exactly. So Craig goes, Michael and Stephen talk. (laughs) <laughs> and Michael's asking for his job back again and he's really, really grovelling. And Stephen Stephen's just lets just him like, carry on. La-la-la. Tell me more about how Looks. great I am. And then the lights go out later and Michael tells Izzy that he's been offered the position of junior manager, which sounds like junior mechanic. <laughs> yeah. It's a completely made up job. And she heads home and then Michael takes Stephen in some tea and then he's like, teach me everything you know, oh, oh wise business guru who just got nearly scanned for 50% of the, <laughs> of the business deal that I did. And and Stephen's like, okay, are you ready for a flashback? Have some whiskey and let's let's just remember what I did. And so we this is when we have the like one of the cheesiest, weirdly perfect for this story. Absolutely love this. 100 percent I was on board with this. I was just watching it with my mouth open. Like, I can't believe what I'm seeing here because it's Stephen narrating in business talk, like he's in American Psycho, how he killed Rufus as like an analogy for like, yeah, when you if you want to make a killing get him on your side, if you yeah. want to make a killing of business, just push him in the pool. I mean, <laughs> in the stock market or something. I don't know. Yeah, so he's like he he's schmoozing him, and and then we see the flashback and at some point Stephen's talking over the audio while while he's also talking to Rufus on the screen so you're kind of hearing mm. all kinds of different stuff and then we see this the scene where um, Rufus and Stephen are kind of like there are more than one of them on the screen at once because they're moving around and it's showing the passage of time and the movement of the characters around this around the, the pool and then Rufus gets up and Stephen puts something in his drink and then Rufus is getting more and more woozy, and we haven't got any. It's presumably LSD, isn't it? But they don't say. But we we. Where's he going to get reckon... his LSD from now? We, that's a... well. I mean, he's made... if I was Stephen before or after like, I killed uh, hey, just Rufus, I'd be just finding my drugs room. Where'd he you must get have one stuff? somewhere in the mansion. It's probably, it's probably inside the, the head of the Crystal Woman. <laughs> yeah, that's a good Agatha Christie book name. <laughs> So um, we we don't have any of the speech of what he was saying about the business stuff. No, I to see. I wanted was, to be able to rewatch this. We couldn't but... rewatch anything because we're watching we're watching it live, and there's no. It's not like a recording TV. No. So 
my Sorry. dear sister. She, does, she just doesn't have she really all the, the latest. I don't think she does as well. Um, so Rufus gets more and more woozy. Then he gets up and um, he's kind of like wobbling he's about. Wobbling about, and, and uh, they walk alongside the pool. And then Stephen pushes him in, and Rufus is like struggling and trying to swim. And then Stephen pushes his head under the water, and all the while he's narrating this like, yeah, you get him on your side, and then you uh, you have to negotiate, and you have to make sure that they want what you're selling, and all this kind of stuff. And then he's at the end, he's like, you feel like you could do anything, like you're the king of the world. And then you see like Rufus just floating, <laughs> and uh, and Stephen's just like sitting there in the darkness with his glass of scotch and like gloating over this murder that he's done. And also, there's a really good shot where he pours the scotch into the glass and you see yeah, you it's see it coming underneath up the table, through, the, yeah. through the glass of scotch to see Stephen's face looking over. See, were you worried at all about Michael's safety during no. this? Because I was thinking, you know, even when he first started to pour the... Basically, my thoughts for, for this week's episode, just summarised, was... I was I was really kind of miffed off, and it was mostly Sarah has just put me in a foul mood for most of the sweets coronation streets and her slagginess. <gasps> you can't say that. You have to call her a strumpet or a, a tart. Strumpidity. Mm-hmm. Um, and even for this stuff on Wednesday, I was like, ah, oh, it looks like they're built. They're, they're going to be building up to something. Oh yeah, we're going to Rufus's house. This is good. We're going to be able to see Stephen claim his third victim and everything. And when the credits rolled on Wednesday's episode, I was just like, oh, we've been robbed. So, obviously, obviously what's happened is that Stephen's gone in and killed Rufus, and that's why Michael can't get hold of him. We didn't even get to see it this time. I thought, what a load of, what a cop-out that is. So, but then as today's episode was progressing, especially because before tonight's episode, yeah, the little, the, the announcer at the beginning of the episode said, um, this, uh, this episode contains scenes of violence that some viewers might find upsetting or we're something. Like, yes, And we, we were getting into the, like, the final third of the episode, and like, uh, we haven't seen any of well, these scenes of started, violence yet. It started with uh, the next day with Michael back at home. Yeah, yeah. So you you knew that like it was possible at the end of Wednesday's episode that you, you could have picked up at, yeah. at night time, mm. which I what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, but even you know when when we had Anthony Cotton's mum, the housekeeper, I was like, okay, so he's definitely dead then. And then and at that point, I was starting to think. I think we might be getting a flashback. I think I said to you, didn't I, that this feels like prime flashback territory here. And then when he sat Michael down to have his drink, I was like, no, I, I was like, I was nervous that he was going to be bumping off Michael at the same time. I, I think yeah. I, somebody else on our Twitter said um, the same thing that I was thinking, which is like at the very end of the episode when Rufus was revealed to have been killed by Stephen, they then cut to Stephen who has you know, done the same fate on Michael. Obviously, narratively, that wouldn't make sense at all because it would look rather fishy for there to be two bodies hanging around Stephen at the same time. And also, he's, you know, Michael, Stephen needs Michael to be alive to be the, you know, to, to be the scapegoat for, for Rufus's murder to take the blame for it. But I, I he was... He needs him to do those amazing nipper-snapper designs. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very true, actually. How do you like, come up with the employed... ideas? Yeah, so for, for many reasons, Stephen really needs Michael to be alive. But the, the, the tone that they set at the beginning of that scene when he was pouring the drinks out for him, yeah, I was like... It really, uh, yeah, for a split second, I was like... Is he going to be okay for the end really of this? he seemed really, like, what's the word? Like, darkly satisfied with himself. And I was thinking, has he made a decision that he's going to kill... Mm. Kill Michael, and that's why he feels kind of at peace because he's he's kind of like he knows that this is going to happen. 
Because mm. a lot of the stuff that Stephen Stephen gets worked up about is like uncertainty about what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, oh, so I love him so much. I, I just thought as soon as he started narrating it, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm all for this. This is going to be great, and it, and it didn't let me down. Oh, and um, I also like the bit in that scene where the music was like dun dun dun. dun oh yeah, dun, dun, it was, wasn't it? It was dun, the, it was the Guinness, like, advert, Guinness advert, advert, the surfer advert. So this is like twenty like, odd yeah, years ago, it's wasn't from it? Nineteen ninety nine. Is it? I think so. And it was an advert. Was it Was it a worldwide advert? I don't know. And it's like a surface. It's black and white, isn't it? And yeah. it, like the waves are supposed to like look like the, the head of a Guinness, a pint of Guinness. Yeah. And he's and it's he's standing there on the beach waiting for the waves. Isn't it like the horses that are jumping through the waves or something? And it's like, he well. waits. That's what he does. Yeah. And it's just about the finding, the, the waiting for the right That's moment the Coronation to, Street to get the right wave yeah. is the to, same to as... Yeah, he waits, going. then he kills everyone. Wait, you got to wait for your he pint of Guinness. He pushes them into bin. <laughs> I remember that advert was huge it when was, it came out. Yeah. And, and I remember it was like, one of the deal. reasons that this advert has stuck in my mind is that they used, do you remember when Channel 4 used to do the top 100 whatevers? And when they did the top 100 adverts, that got number one. Did it? yeah. And that was in the early 2000s, I think. And I remember being really annoyed by that because, you know... You know me, I'm cool. I, I don't always it, like, like things that are popular. One. I don't. I don't remember what I wanted to be number one, but I thought that is not the best advert that it has was, ever been made. Great. I'm sorry, not the best it? advert ever. Yeah, I do now. Um, but anyway, to actually use that, and it's and it's all about kind of waiting, wasn't it? Like Stephen had to, you know, he we we got to, because dun, it was dun, a because it was a flashback, dun, and they dun, used dun, the. Dun, dun, um, you know the the past passing of time bits. We we got to see a sped up version, but it was all about getting the right moment and in him enacting his evil plot. I don't know if there is supposed to be a link, but yeah, it I really think, no, felt think... like, oh, they're playing this song. Mm. Uh, yeah, it just evokes this uh, kind of idea of, uh, like it's, like in the in in the advert, it's like a joyous thing, isn't it? He's like he's finally yeah. got his. You have to wait for the Guinness to settle and then enjoy the, the lovely beer. Whereas this is like, um, oh, he's waiting like he's like a spider in a web. Mm. You know, I can patiently. To- yeah, I can totally see people having hated it. I've not read any negative comments. To oh be fair, yeah, so loads far. of people on our tw- on our Twitter because we're getting oh, more well, followers yeah. now. Almost every time I'll post something, I get somebody replying going. No, I don't agree with you. <laughs> They're perfectly entitled to not they like do. it. I d- they do, but I've decided for myself my own easy way of like getting on in life and not having to stress. Mm. It's on Twitter. If I see something I don't agree with, I don't reply to it. I'll do my own tweet with my own opinion. Because I don't see the point of trolling around Twitter and then finding something that you don't like and then replying to the person who wrote it as though your opinion means anything. Mm. Like, who cares what you think? <laughs> if you disagree with me, write your own tweet. Don't have an argument with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, any... The only time I have an argument is when somebody comes onto our tweet, tweet and replies about something really important, like the, the Aaron story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Stephen has claimed his third victim... Um, He's got three we, skulls. We, uh, Elaine, she is really doing a good job at avoiding. Maybe What's that's just why she's not today, appearing Stephen? in any scenes. Why? Like, why are you coming only... at me with an axe? 
she's only appearing in scenes in the cafe, like a crowded cafe, because yeah, she knows scared. that Stephen's not going to bump her off there. How long but, are they going to move in together before he kills her? Uh, she, she is going to be dead in that red bank. But I mean, we, we saw, we, the thing is, we saw red this coming. Did, are you are you disappointed that we kind of saw this coming? Because back when, was it, it was just last week, wasn't it, that Stephen no. got, or was it week before, that Stephen saw Rufus's address and we said, and we saw the swimming like pool and die. we were like, we need to see Rufus face down in that swimming pool and we've seen it. So are you happy that that's what's yeah, happened good. or is it not too predictable? I'm, I'm totally on board with a few predictable kills, but I do want him to do, to like kill somebody completely out of left field. Yes, I think, and I want I think him that's needed to kill next. a permanent popular character. It, it, it's got to be. It's because, you know, Leo, Teddy, Rufus, totally disposable, They were disposable, all brought in to be killed they? by... Well, Leo, Leo I'm going to say probably wasn't. Leo wasn't brought in wasn't. to be killed, but... Um, nobody misses him, sorry. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Even Jenny seems to have got over him. But yeah, I think that the next job really is getting rid of a main character. And I don't necessarily mean someone like Michael, although now he's involved himself in the story so heavily, I would say that Michael has got a bit of a target on his back as well. So's potentially Uncle Ronnie, hasn't he? Who this hasn't had meddling. loads to do recently, but he's he's meddling. he has now been yeah maybe meddling where he shouldn't have been. So I don't know, maybe um maybe he's going to be next. But right. yeah, it can't just be the side characters. What about um, you know like I just I just loved the the atmosphere and I love the location. We've not had a a swimming pool death in Coronation no. Street before, as far We've as had I remember. People being driven into canals, which isn't the same. Yeah, I, I well I loved all the underwater shots. I liked um. You know, there was one of Rufus swimming there with his well yeah. dressing gown or toweling robe or whatever you want to call it, swaying away underwater. I was like, um, I hope he's got pants on. I didn't see anything. And with all the music, you know, it dun, was just dun, dun, it was dun, just dun, dun. really, really brilliantly done. That is definitely a, a memorable death. That was a brilliant just, death. That was great. I'm slightly worried for Stephen that he's. You know, we know that Michael's going to get the blame for it. Paul's going to be involved as well somehow. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Stephen has surely. He, he took a real risk there. I, w- I was going to say, it's become more risky. Every time he's killed, he's like pushed it a bit further mm. into this. This could really, you could end up being caught here because the first, you know, when he, when he killed Leo, it was an accident. Mm. And then he sort of buried the body and I feel as though he did a fairly good job. But then Yeah, he, he didn't forgot. mean to kill Leo, did he? No, he literally, it was a fight and Leo ended up dying during it. And then he forgot that he had the mobile phone that could be traced. Mm. And then he killed Teddy and there was all that question of like, is it going to be obvious that he's done this because of the CCTV mm. inside the factory? Is that how he's going to get caught? And he didn't... And the whole punch. Yeah. And he didn't plot to kill Teddy, did he? No. T- Teddy just first... pushed his buttons. This is oh, his first... baby's first premeditated murder. It, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. And I now mean... he's officially a serial killer because he's killed three people. Yeah. See, even Michael was involved slightly with the the teddy murder yeah. wasn't he because he that he came into the factory to get the whole punch afterwards or something didn't he so it feels like michael's going to play the role in this of the one who pieces things together to say hang on a minute what about that night <gasps> did you you know that what sort of thing what happened to teddy's body teddy's body's in the canal isn't it oh yeah another watery grave and are they ever going to find that and if they do find it yeah are they going to find 
Are they going to be like, this looks like it was done with a hole punch? I do, I do wonder whether, <laughs> whether he's going to come bubbling to the surface. Because that's what people said at the time, isn't it? Like the bloated corpse would be letting off gases that would eventually make the, the roof box rise. Huh? That's, that's waiting to happen. So huh? I, 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 think that, I think that Michael, because he's been, you know, he's, he's going to get arrested, isn't he, next week, surely. Uh, but he's eventually going to be the one that that uncovers Steve. I think what's going to happen... And maybe his life will be at risk as well. Yeah, maybe. But I think what's going to happen is that they're going to be like, oh, we think it was Michael. We pushed him in the canal. I pushed him in the swimming pool. But the thing is, though, Michael definitely leaves a message on his answer phone that you wouldn't necessarily leave if you'd killed him the night before. Well, you would if you want to make it look like you didn't do it. And I think that's what the the police are going to say. Yeah, but he starts off like, please give me my job back. And he's like, screw you, I hate you. You're the worst person in the world. And you'd be like, why would you... You wouldn't say that if you killed him. Mm. They Um, they are reusing... I know it's not exactly the same, but when Imran died, there was a whole voicemail kind of bit of evidence that got Toya in trouble, wasn't there? I've forgotten what I was saying now. Oh, sorry. I had a point. Oh, well, maybe I'll come back to you. I'm sorry. I just, I thought as well, yes, it is Stephen's first premeditated murder. He obviously feels like, you know, I've got nothing to lose now, do you think, is it? Or... I know what I was going to say. So they arrest Michael because of this voicemail and the fact that he said he was there and then he said he wasn't there. Mm. But then I think um, they will do um, an autopsy and find that Rufus has LSD in his system and then they'll say, oh, it can't, it must have just been, he just obviously took mm. too much and then he got disorientated and then he fell in the pool and drowned. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. That's what I think is going to happen. Mm. Then the heat will be off um, Stephen again. Yeah, I just think that Stephen has, made, has put himself into a really, really risky situation. But then I think what's Even... going to happen is that I think that Stephen's going to be emboldened by the fact that he has gotten away with it and the fact that he almost pinned it on Michael and Michael was a suspect Mm. and then he might frame Michael for another murder knowing that he's already been suspected before and it would be quite easy for the police to kind of Latch um, on to that. Yeah, and maybe you'll fit him up. Yeah. But don't, don't you think that Stephen was being, being a bit too risky? Like, he left the body there. Surely there's evidence all over the place. You know, he's going to have fingerprints well, all over. Well, we know he's over. left evidence. Well, yes. I mean, the, 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 what we haven't mentioned so far on the podcast, although we did on the Street Talk Short, is his tie pin. And that's clearly, clearly going to be used as evidence at some point down the line to say that yeah, Stephen was there. Yeah, but is this going to be there? another feel, no. feeling necklace, earring, no. whatever, that just gets they forgotten? Heard, they heard us with the Stephen they earring They better not. Thing. If they're, make it, if they're so putting in... Like, if you red Sorry. If you didn't notice this, on Wednesday's episodes when Stephen's at the bar... Glenda, I think it is. Somebody says to him, oh, you're wearing a, a tie pin or something. Oh, oh, your tie pin's looking a bit loose. And, you know, that was... I'm going to say a fairly clunky kind of Chekhov's gun there, wasn't it? It's like, well, what, why is that being mentioned? And and, and, I, and I wrote it down and I thought, that tie pin we'll is going to be... Back. And then I forgot about it until I saw somebody post on Twitter after tonight's episode, oh, when Stephen was drowning Rufus in the pool, he didn't have his tie pin on. So I will partly put it down to that person whose name I don't remember. I'm very, very sorry if it was you. But Quite also... A lot of people were talking about it. Were they? I don't know oh, okay. Saw. Well, I've, I've got in my notes here Stephen's tie pin that I wrote on Wednesday. So even if I hadn't seen that, I'd have come up with it myself. But yeah, if you look back at the beginning of the scene when he appears at Rufus's house, he has got his tie pin. When he's there at the swimming pool, he hasn't. This is so why men should some... have accessories. Exactly. 
uh, at some point that typing is going to be is going to be discovered um and you know is that going to be next week is it going to be months down the line well it would make he it... can he can he can wave it away by saying oh i've been around rufus's house before yeah i guess so he hasn't it, he hasn't depends, said he hasn't it depends has on where the typing gets found if it gets found like in the pool filter <laughs> well i mean he didn't go around much did he i mean I, we, we, he was wearing the typing in the conservatory which i believe was right next to the swimming pool so it's it's <sighs> it's really gonna place him there it just seems to me that that might not be found for a little bit. Although, I, know, I mean, the forensics are doing, should be doing a fairly on, good job. on how, whether he left any um, bruises or anything on, on Rufus's head when he was pushing him well, in. Well, that's the other thing that I was thinking of. Like, he's going to have his tie pin there, which will be the thing that's discovered. There are fingerprints all over the place. There's fingerprints on Rufus. I mean, I, I don't know how fingerprints work. If somebody has been pushed into a swimming pool... Does that kind of get rid of all your fingerprints? On people? Yeah. I don't think that you recover. I don't know. No, okay, fine. A fingerprint um, on a person. Yeah, I know that... Well, there's, there's I know stuff that... on the glass. Yes, exactly. And there's going to be fact... two glasses, and one of them's going to have traces of LSD, and the other one isn't. Well, I assume and that Stephen would... did clear away the other UK glass at least. He did. But yeah, having bruising on the top of his head is absolutely possible, and this LSD in the system. Mm, LSD. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think... It would make a lot of sense if the police say, "Oh, it was it was an accident. He had too really much LSD sure and drowned." But yeah, gonna... before then, um, Michael has got to be in the frame for a bit. But then, so has I. I can't figure out quite yet how Paul is going to. No, be I, I'm in this. I'm really intrigued about maybe all that's going to happen with Paul is that he gets um, his fence says, "Look, this is really hot. This car, you've nicked it off a dead man." You, you you're putting everybody in danger i can't you can't i'm not buying any more cars off you maybe i don't and then, know that would be the it, most boring way for it to go yeah because at some on wednesday when i was fairly convinced that michael's been bumped off i thought well maybe paul's gonna michael's be for it oh, sorry off. um rufus has been bumped off i thought maybe paul's gonna be fingered for this but as far Stop as we know now that's the word fingered. you just got a dirty <laughs> mind honestly <laughs> i'm not the Getting only that's one pull yourself and clean yourself down no um Nobody knows that Paul was there. Um, he's he's gonna. Go. They will know he's there if the car turns up and they're like, mm. "Well, that car belongs to a murdered man." He obviously didn't notice that his car went missing. What did he report his car stolen? No, he must have done. No, well, it's the next day. It, what? Why? why oh no, it's Rufus... the same day. I'm yeah, sorry. Ruf- I'm sorry, Rufus. I'm yeah, no, he Rufus so, didn't even ever realise that his car was stolen. So Rufus never found out his car was stolen, but the police will know his car's missing. Yeah, and this is the license plate, and then the guy that Paul's selling the car to is going to be like, "Their police are looking for this car because mm. the guy was murdered. Did you murder him?" Yeah, the police are going to wonder where his car is, and then is. they're going to say, "I'm not buying any more cars off you." Mm. It's too hard. I, 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 maybe then we're, we're going to get know, a week or two of people thinking, oh, Michael, it was you. Oh, Paul, it was you. And no, Stephen's going to think he's get away with it. And then uh, how, how soon after death will this autopsy take place? Quite soon. Mm. I'm going to say three to five business days. <laughs> how many of that is in Weatherfield days? Is that up to two weeks? Um, okay, okay. I don't know. I've just, it's... The fact that this tie pin is obviously going to tie Stephen into it is a bit of disappointing that we know, but it's one of those things that's like, ha, 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 I knew it. Well, I want 
Sorry. Oh, wow, that's a good yawn. I want to see with D.S. McKinnon in the autopsy room. I going, don't think D.S. McKinnon's going to be involved in this. Dear Swain. Yeah. Who's the other one? Beckett. Fringe McBangs. Yeah. Going, I want all of them there. I want, I want uh, Craig going, we need our best people on the team. We've assembled our finest police officers, this crack team of female officers. And then they're all walking around in the, in the, um, in the autopsy room. And one of them sitting on, on one of the, cheekily sitting on one of the other steel tables, swinging her legs backwards and forwards going, so who do we think done it? They're all Londoners now. And um, <laughs> one of them's walking around swigging a coffee going, we need to discover who done the crime. And then like there's a wizened old man who's doing the autopsy going, hang on a minute, I think I found something. And they're like, oh, what could it be? He swallowed a tie pin. This uh. might be a clue. <laughs> what does it say on the back? To my darling boy, have fun in Canada. Love, Audrey. I kiss, just thought kiss, of another, another storyline title. I think this is the thing. Typing pool. I know, when you keep saying typing, I thought you were saying typing. <laughs> is typing pool a thing? Yeah, typing pool. It's where all the, they put all the women. Typing pool. There we go. There's your second Did you know that women used to be, were the first computers? Yes, I did. Because they used to call women who could do maths computers. Women yeah. can't do maths. What is all this? Okay. Um, so. Oh, it's interesting that as soon as a, a job gets important and pays a lot of money, suddenly the women aren't capable of doing it and the men have to do it for them. Oh, the women are just getting a head start. are all going to get computer replaced by AI before long, aren't we? Don't know what you mean. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't think we've got anything more to add to this story. No, but Very I loved exciting. it. I loved it. I loved it. It was like the most special episode ever. It was... I want to put it in a museum. It was. I, I'm not going to go that far. I loved it. It was a great I'm final like, five minutes, but I think history. a lot of the rest of tonight's episode wasn't amazing. Current but at least it didn't exactly have Slaggy Sarah in too much. What I wanted out of that scene. Yeah, they really like, would did. you like? Would you like some banging just... tunes? Would you like some weird flashbacks? Would you like uh, a, a sinister um, talk? Uh, voiceover and also I just want to say one thing about how suspicious Coronation Street as a, as in general is of businessmen like if there's a businessman on Coronation Street I'm going to tell you there's probably like I don't know a 20% chance he turns out to be a serial killer <laughs> do you know what I mean there, there haven't actually been serial that many or some kind or of some crim. kind of murderer yeah I mean Mike Baldwin was just a bit of a, a bit of a cockney geezer wide boy wasn't yeah, he but he all, think back right of all the killers the serial killers or murderers on Corrie, there's only one I can think of who wasn't actually a businessman, and that was John Stape. Because even Pat Phelan was a businessman. He, he had his building business, didn't he? Yeah. Pat Phelan. Hillman, obviously. Richard Hillman. Now we've got Stephen. Yeah. We also had. Um, who's the guy I was thinking of? Frank Foster. Frank Foster. Yeah, he didn't kill nobody, though. Well, he was killed himself. He, he was cut off in his prime. Mm okay okay let's move on let's move on very much looking no, I loved forward it. I to, talk about it to where that's going next so now i'm i'm getting all riled up now because i'm about to yeah. do the damon in the sack story which kind of, just kind of gin right this this story this boiled my blood this week and and i feel bad because a few weeks <laughs> a few weeks ago it's like yeah sarah louise and damon they got so much chemistry not like boring sarah and adam who people forget that they're even married but then to actually see what happened on monday happened it just made me i was all right calm down flipping livid about this i was at least expecting to have some kind of <laughs> build up to it or some you know 
toying and flirting us. Like I, the the deadline for this bet was June. You know, we're like two months out from that, and they've already done the deed. I'm sickened by you, Sarah Louise. Very let down and disappointed. What? Because I do not, as as much as I kind of make fun of her for being a useless businesswoman, I do actually really like Sarah Louise. And as a character who's been in it, you know, almost well, ever since I've been alive, and definitely since I've been watching, make it sound like you're for a very long time. You know, I've got, not- I've got, I've um, got. It's, it's, you know, a special special connection, I feel like, to the long-term characters. And I honestly think that Tina O'Brien is a fab actress. Very jealous of her de-aging process. But what what have they given her? Oh, my gosh. Right, okay, so this she is... She bathes in a pool of all the actors, child actors that didn't make it on the show. <laughs> That's how she keeps her youthful looks. I think that she's got a pool of the blood of the old actors to play Sarah Louise. What? <laughs> <laughs> She's just sucking um, the life force listen, out of the old Sarah Lou's. Let's let's not let's not shame her for. I'm her, not shaming her. her. I'm saying good on you, girl. What I am what? shaming her for? No, sh- shaming the character. I'm for. trying to move on from her youthful good looks to talk about her being a kinky little sex pot. Um, That's one don't way shame of her. It. Her kink is getting off with people when she's married. It's like it, it's in in some ways it's like so in character yeah, because just we're just again we're, we're watching on ITV three at the moment the two thousand and two episodes where she's like oh Aidan Critchley you're such a bad boy oh I so fancy you so much like she and and obviously she was going out with Callum even though she knew that he was a drug dealer and everything but she. I, I don't I can't she says she said in the in the scripts this week that she's never been unfaithful to Adam before I can't remember her complete romantic history has she cheated on someone with someone else before I don't know but anyway so that's my preamble there's more to come so Monday's episode Adam and Harry are preparing to go to they're going to go to Alton Towers on Monday or was it the zoo I can't remember no, they whichever were, they were I know what's happening in this scenario and I'm gonna fight for Harry here in fact I might murder Adam and Sarah myself Mm. because they promised this poor child to go to Alton Towers which is the most exciting thing anyone can ever do and then when they didn't take him there they didn't offer him to take him back to Alton Towers which would have been the right thing to do no they offered to take him to the zoo which is also amazing (laughs) but then he didn't go there either he went to granny gail's house which i guess there's a dog there but it's not a zoo is it well maybe the next one down is is the um is the park where ollie saw his cow do you remember his moo cow the one that we didn't see any cows but ollie definitely saw one do you know what they call a zoo with only one dog in it Yes, I do know what it is. No, it's unsuitable for broadcast on uh, this podcast. You can say that. You can say it's just a breed of dog. Come on, then. It's just a shih tzu. <laughs> Thank you. It's just Gemma's favourite joke. It's my favourite joke. It gives her, you know, the opportunity to use foul language freely in front of grandmas and podcast listeners alike. So... Um, Sarah needs to sort out somebody to look after Harry because Adam's like, oh, I've got, I've got so much work to do. I know it's a bank holiday and everything, but I've been called in. And, and with this, we're <sighs> supposed to think, oh, Adam, what a terrible husband he is. You know, if I were Sarah Louise, I'd probably go back on my marriage vows, my solemn vows. Well, you're very, you, you have, you, you had a different reaction to this because you're obviously the person in this relationship that's always working during well, holidays I don't know what you mean. And so you were really defensive. You're like, what? Adam's just working for his family. And I was like, at one point, Dee Dee sends him to get coffee. 
Yeah. Didn't she? Just get an espresso machine. I'm not coming in on bank holiday Monday to make you coffee, DD. Usually, at least, I don't work on bank holidays, do I? You usually tell me I'm, I'm not I'm just going to tell you, that. I might start shagging about, but I haven't found anybody. <laughs> I haven't found the right man yet. <laughs> I haven't found anyone. I haven't found the right gangster. No, um, nobody's interested. Well, I'm sure that Danny Dyer is just living around the corner from where we are at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, heard you was, I heard your bird's been knocking about. And bank holiday, so I'm going to go around. Oh my God, is that... <laughs> bank holiday, more like bonk holiday, you know what, what I'm saying? Oh. It was banging. <laughs> Right, well, we'll get on to what this happened. Silly. Let's get on with In it. In case you didn't realise and you haven't watched it yet, Sarah Louise does sleep with Damon. She but not yet, about. not yet. So anyway, um, so, so she, Sarah's like, oh, Adam, I'm so fed up of your broken promises and you're wanting to go and earn us a living. Um, you don't have to. No wonder okay. I don't want to have a child with you at the moment. The difference so, between what you do and what Adam does working all the hours of the day is that he gets paid proportionate to how much he works. You don't. I know. I know. Anyway, so... Um, You're not a kindred spirit with Adam bloody Barlow. She ends up getting into a car with Damon because she, her, her, her car's been boxed in on the driveway or something at Gail's house. And Damon's like, oh, you can get in a car with me and Dee Dee. And Sarah's like, oh, 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 oh no, I couldn't possibly... Oh, go on then. Which is basically Sarah, all, all of this whole story. So they go to Chariot Square where Sarah's got this meeting with... What was it? A potential buyer or someone? It was a lady. It was, was a lady. Gonna buy some. It was a, it was a knicker lady, and Damon's there standing at the bar, still flirting away at, with Sarah and saying, "Oh, I'm gonna hang around and I'm gonna I'm gonna watch you at your work, love." So this buyer woman says, "Sarah, well, you know what? Your designs look a bit soulless, actually." Um, and then Damon comes over. They they do the whole skit of. He's like the um the what stooge there, isn't he? Amazing designs. Look at these pants; they're fantastic. More these like, pants have got four holes they should instead be called of just three. Fantastic, aren't they naughty? <laughs> I want five. <laughs> so he's like, I definitely want to. He still he say like, I'm a mega record executive, and I want these pants on an album cover. I can't remember exactly what he it did was. say. Something, something like something like weird that. like that, and then and Sarah's like, mm. Sarah's so dumb. She's like. Are you really a manager of a band? <laughs> no. He, he ends that, up. Really. He ends up giving Sarah Louise a bit of papers, um, and and the woman falls for his fake sales patter, but does also point out to Sarah that she's just been handed this guy's room number. So um, Sarah strops. Sarah's up. like, oh no! How very I, dare he? How, says Sarah. <laughs> I, I've got to go up there to find out what his horrible plan was going to be. Yeah, I hope he doesn't want to sleep with me. She storms up to, uh, you know, let's just face it, the only room in Chariot Square where everybody always seems to go. I'm not going to shag you. you definitely, know. hello. I'm just knocking at the door to say I'm really, really cross with wanted. you, but I'm definitely, definitely not. What's that? Champagne? Oh yes, please. Oh, I love champagne. She's just like. Such a slapper. No, oh no, 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 no. She's you just don't have to call her that. She's so bloody. Honestly, so I was just so mega disappointed. She's not a slapper. She um, is a working mother who has been charmed by a serial criminal. Mm. So she's like, oh yeah, I'll drink your champagne with you, but yeah, I'm definitely not sleeping with you or anything. Oh, my pants have fallen off. But yeah, I mean, the best comment that <laughs> I read about this, I think Morgan put it on our Facebook group saying, isn't it ironic that she works for a knicker factory when clearly the elastic on hers <laughs> is not up to snuff? Honestly. So yeah, she she ends up basically... Um, to cut because I'm lost where we are in the nose at the moment. But to cut a long story short, she she does the deed with him, doesn't she? 
she she he wears her down and um yeah. it's he's 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 talking about oh oh I'm a bit scared oh maybe I'm going to be going to prison and and Sarah's Sarah's the one that makes the first move. He doesn't even have to lean in to to try and snog her, does he? He just tells her this sob story about I'm off to prison, and she's like, "I'm Four. scared, you're alone." And and then, well, oh. she listen. What she's doing here is going. This seems like a really great, no strings attached way for me to make myself feel happy for the afternoon when my, my husband's ignoring me. And this guy really fancies me. And yeah, it's a bad idea, but he's going to prison. So it's not going to come back and bite me in the bum. No way. That's not the first time she's thought that when she shagged Blake. The logic. You're right. I think she was thinking that. But this just goes against a lot of my core values, I have to say, Sarah Louise. Honestly. Don't shag criminals. So after the break, and they're all just kind of draped nakedly. You remember that scene last yeah. year when she was trying to get pregnant and she was yeah. there with all with everything on show almost Lying on the sofa. with a blanket artfully I mean, draped around her parts. Yeah, fair play to her. I mean... Well, she, she's got the bits. She has got the bits. Why not show them? But she, like, she's our age, Gemma. So what? We and you can lie, lounge around nakedly Don't and saucily. Don't give away my secrets. <laughs> but she's Michael, just... what do you mean? Just because I'm a decrepit old hag doesn't mean that everybody <laughs> is. She's there. Just Yeah, she's, she's got a few bits of um, quilt covering her unmentionables. Um, I feel and, really bad And now. Damon's there with his with his pecs out and his tattooed chest and everything going, for you are banging messes. Um, and and he's like, she starts to get dressed. She's 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 just there, kind right. of. She's giggling away and going, oh oh, I've never done this. She can't. She he brings up the bet, doesn't he? He's like saying, I told you I'll bang you before the before mid mid. And she's like, oh how how very dare you? Oh yes, I suppose you did, didn't you? And he said, oh you know what, Sarah, I could really fall for you. And um, he he, I don't know how much to believe him. Or whether he just literally wants to get into her pants multiple times. But he's saying, oh, yeah, I really like you, Sarah Lou. This would really mean something. And she's like, no, no, this is just a one-off. <laughs> and off she goes. <laughs> um, I I what find Damon's... Oh, right. <laughs> so judgmental. Right, why are you judging her and not him? I am judging him as well. You haven't no. called him any rude names. He's a massive sex pest and criminal. I just hold... It's You're... because I hold... I thought I held Sarah Louise to a higher standard. You're being sexist. He's, he is, obviously... He's a villain. He's a wrong one. He's a gangster. He's a... He's, he's been... He's a predator. He has been wearing her down, not that it took much, for the last couple of weeks. I think it goes without saying that he's a massive wrong one. And also, he's not... He's not married. She is married to Adam. And I'm so just making... For... I'm just allowing you to defend yourself against all the claims of your being sexist. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. I'm saying... I just want you to be aware. He, he, he is involved in this adultery, but he <laughs> he's not the one that's breaking it, unless they're going to be retconning in that Damon's got a secret wife, which I don't think Oh, yeah, I can just imagine somebody turning up going, Where's Damon? What, do you want to know? He's my husband. <laughs> That's, that just reminded me as well. Um, one of the things that we were talking about between Wednesday's episode and today's episode about who's the mystery person at Rufus's door. What if it's not Stephen? And I was like, what if he's got another sex worker in? What mm. if it's, you know, what he's like calling his prostitutes? Maybe one of them is, uh... anyway, wasn't her. Well, okay. Um, anyway, 
So Sarah, Sarah um, just goes away from the hotel saying, oh, we're never going to do that again. That's very, very naughty, but it was just a one-off. Um, so Off to prison with you. So as she's trying to pay there, this is when Michael shows up. Remember in the other story, we said that Stephen had sent him on a wild goose chase off to Chariot Square to try and get him out of the picture for the meeting with Rufus. And Sarah's like, bloody hell, Michael, what are you doing here? And then Damon's there in the background and he's just like, let's go, let's go. So Michael doesn't see Damon, does he at all? It's just a way of getting him out of the picture, like I said. So back at the lawyer's office, Sarah's asking Adam to... Um, forgive her for being so stressy so she's obviously feeling mega guilty about the flagrant adultery that she's been engaged in this afternoon and is like oh I'm sorry sorry Adam you're the best husband really and he's like oh yeah of course I forgive you um, and Sarah says oh let's get a speed dial takeaway to make up for it and he's like yeah that sounds good to me so while Sarah's out there Damon turns up at the lawyer's office just as um Adam and Dee Dee need to do some last minute prep. Well, because Adam and Dee Dee need to do some last minute prep with him for this trial that's, that he's got going on tomorrow. Then Sarah Louise comes back from Speed Dance, like, bloody hell, what are you doing here? So uh, nothing much particularly goes on with there. They, they, they have their takeaway, don't they? It's all a little bit awkward. Uh, but when it's all done, Damon chases Sarah in the street and says, no, honestly, I'm really falling for you. You're great. I think we could have something special here. And Sarah's like, no, this is definitely not going anywhere. Um, you could be going to prison, for heaven's sake. Um, I think we just need to draw a line under it. And, um, and and he says, oh, you know what, Sarah Louise, you're a belter. Wish you a good life. Uh, meanwhile, in the office, Dee Dee finds a little bit of paper with some very handy, convenient evidence on. Thanks for the shag. <laughs> doesn't Damon. find that um, that is potentially going to get Damon off oh. and and I was like <sighs> I kind of had resigned myself to the fact that Damon wasn't going to be sent down with this but I thought that the way they they this did is it typical it was though. mega flimsy this wasn't feels, it this is how so, it's always going to be with Dee Dee and Adam it's always and Imran was the same they'd just be sitting there and they'd be like Oh, this lawyering's really hard work. Oh, I'm just going to read this bit of paper again. Hang on, I think I found something. I and then, really hate and it when they like, do that. I know, but that's the only way they can do it because this isn't a legal drama, is it? It's not a thing about. It's the same as what we what we when we moan about murders and how the clues and stuff are never. It's not because it's not a detective show. It's not a crime drama. But it's sometimes that they have managed to make it, so it's a bit of a surprise yeah, or a, oh yeah, this... I didn't think of that. Yeah, I know, or... but they, I don't think they, honestly don't think they can they can be bothered and they don't have time and I it's wish not they a story. Would. Me too, but they're not telling the story about how does Damon get away with, with his crimes. The it... story is about... I know, I know. How does Damon get back in Sarah's pants? Tell you what, if this is told Dee Dee anything, it's like she really doesn't need Alia working for her because it seemed that all Alia was good for was finding last minute bits of evidence on paperwork and Dee Dee can now do that perfectly fine herself. So, Well, um, Alia didn't even find anything. (laughs) She didn't. She just spent all of her time looking at the paper going, I don't even know if this is the right way up, to be (laughs) frank with you. So Wednesday is the day of Damon's trial. And uh, Adam and Sarah are talking about it in the morning and she's like really keen that he gets sent down because it's all going to be very awkward if he's left walking the streets after their dalliance on uh, Monday at the hotel. And Adam's like, oh yeah, I think nobody does that was a fair trial. It's like, I, I, didn't, I can't remember and, and, and I do often miss little bits of dialogue and things when I'm furiously tapping away notes. But do you get the idea that Adam 
really did believe Damon was innocent here because we as viewers knew that he definitely wasn't. There's no real reason what, necessarily. Innocent? I mean, wasn't guilty. Did, he did, wasn't guilty of that Adam specific be- crime. Did Adam believe... But he was guilty of having the drugs, wasn't he? Because... Well, he's been up to no good, but he didn't have the drugs. He didn't put the drugs in his car. I Ad- d- uh, Nick did that. I did. Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? But anyway, they were definitely his drugs. So Yeah, and, and Damon's point later on is that, look, Nick, I didn't grass you and Leanne up, even though you're the reason I okay, got in trouble. Okay, okay. But anyway, I, I, Adam seemed to be happy to, to get this guy Adam off, is, that is the sort of job. person who doesn't think too hard about whether... And I think this is correct. I think the legal system requires that mm. everybody to get a, a fair trial. Yeah. And I completely believe that. I think even the most evil person deserves a trial and the, the state has to prove that they've done something wrong. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I know that Alia hasn't quite got the hang of that yet. But it's stupid. She's and you too need busy falling over Especially the, the, the more evil they are, the better the defence should be. So, so there could be no doubt ever when they get found guilty that they did what, they, what they're being accused of. Mm. Okay. That's my opinion. No, no, no. Okay. And Adam, I think, is the, feels the same way because he's like, I don't think it's of, it's of benefit. If you're a lawyer... Your, your your job isn't to find the evidence to see whether he did or did not do the crime. You're there to find the best defence possible. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Okay, so... But he doesn't care whether whether um, whether Damon did it or not. All he cares about is what can I prove in court. Mm. And also, the, the business is doing badly, isn't it? So it's going to be in his interest yeah. well, he financially to to yeah to, well, the thing is, to get out of this if he did get found guilty it probably would have been also beneficial because he could have launched an appeal oh good point anyway the trial starts and this back. is when Dee Dee um hands over her evidence that um it says or to her amazing last minute evidence is that the drugs when they were taken in at the police station uh, yeah, weren't signed into the storage facility place until 24 hours after they were brought into the station or something like that well everyone wants to go on the drugs apparently it was apparently it was um, and it was like hmm these drugs weren't catalogued properly well we can't include these in our evidence anymore can we and, and, well, yeah, and that's basically it mishandling evidence the reason why is because during, in between the time that they were taken in and the time that they were checked in, anything could have happened to them. It could have, it literally, you could argue that wasn't even drugs because you found a suspicious package in someone's car, then they get to put into evidence and I assume they get tested to see what they actually are. Mm. You could have swapped that with actual yeah, drugs. Yeah, I know, I know, I, t- I get that. I just think it was, you know... This is what ha- happened with OJ Simpson. It felt... It's what happened with flipping Tracy Barlow with her, yeah, her dodgy friends, it, it wasn't properly. it? But no, it just felt like a quick Cory Wright is going, how, how, how are we going to get well, him out yeah, of this I, one I then? Oh, well, let's just say that this happened. They... Yeah. But so I, 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 mean, I wanted but more than that. who knows whether this is actually what If we're going like. to let him walk free. Well, it could be yeah. like this all the time, Maybe it? it is, maybe it is. So anyway, he, he gets off because of his inadmissible evidence. Um, and he's, you know, he's chuffed a little mint balls. He's going to the, the bistro there. He's like, hey, hey, I'll get off. I'll get away with it. And um, he didn't say I got away with it. Like, he basically says as good as, doesn't he? I was but acquitted. he didn't do what they said he did. I've, he didn't put drugs in his own car. He, he brought the drugs. He had the... Um, I, I'm not going to argue. He should have got sent down because I'm not a fan of the character. 
that's 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 as simple as so anyway um adam's saying oh well done you got out it's all thanks to dd and our magic reading skills um adam and dd adam's kind of kind of glad but he's also a little bit Oh, this is a bit awkward because all my neighbours are not very happy that he's walking the streets again, isn't he? Um, we and get over it pretty quickly. Yeah, I know. What's well, so, like Leanne's always got a cob on. Well, yeah, there. speaking of Leanne, she's in full-on Mardi Mare mode, isn't she, <laughs> on Wednesday? Because she Striding was. She, she and Nick were both hoping that Damon would be um, behind bars by the end of the day. But he's going to strides over to the bar of, of the bistro and it's like, ha-ha, now don't forget, you still owe me money. Well, Harvey, you owe money too, but it's better to come to, better to be owing me than owing him because I'm actually quite a nice guy. I'm, I'll tell you what the one thing I don't like about this. What? I don't care about Sarah and Damon Shaggin. I actually like it and I think they should shag gotcha. no, no, you don't. You just want to wind me up. I don't like how Damon has gone from sinister drugs overlord to listen, I just want to have a barbecue and a few beers with my neighbours and sponsor the kid for drums or stars or whatever he's into now. <laughs> you know, he's just turned into this, like, just... If you if you didn't know any of the stuff he'd done before the start of the storyline, you'd be like, I don't get why, why does everyone hate Damon? He seems like a really nice guy. But he is... He's, he's still acting a bit intimidating. He was to Nick and Leanne. He was kind I don't think he is that much. He just seems like a nice guy now. I don't know. He he don't like he, it. he reads. He has lines in darkened rooms, and that just he makes. He has him... lines. No, as in he he says things. Oh, I thought you said he was doing. Coke. No, no. He he has things to say to <laughs> characters boxed into darkened rooms, and that just makes him dodgy. Um, I don't All know. Right. I, don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to believe. You're criticizing him. a man for his lighting choices, and I. Think that's <laughs> anyway. Um, so Damon reminds Leanne and Nick about this day. Oh no, I've said that already. Yeah. So he catches Sarah coming out of the loos next, and That's she... when women love to be propositioned. Yes. When they're adjusting Pounce. their knickers <laughs> on the way out of the bog. She probably not even wearing any, was she? <gasps> what? I bet she wasn't. What? Anyway, she tells him that things would be a lot less complicated with you not here. But he he's just going la la la, flirt flirt flirt. And she's like, hoo, hoo, hoo. and she he teases her about telling Adam before promising that he won't. Um, Dee Dee seems to have conveniently overheard this conversation between them. So she asks Sarah Lou what it was all about. And she's like, is there something going on between you and Damon? And Sarah's like, no, no, definitely not. And so I, I don't fancy him. What made you think that? No, definitely. Um, he's a drug dealer. And he, he, he threatened my brother and everything. And Dee Dee's like, no, I don't, don't believe you. The look on Sarah's face gives her away because Dee, Dee, Dee Dee's like, oh, you don't, you haven't kissed him, have you? And Sarah's like, hmm. And Dee Dee's like, you slag. Kissed him where? You bonked him, haven't you? You bonked him right in bed. And and um, so they go outside to carry on this conversation and and, and Sarah's like, says, oh yeah, it happened yesterday. Thought he was going to get sent to prison and everything. And Dee Dee says... Well, look, I'm not going to tell anybody about this, um, but I can't guarantee that, you know, what Damon's like, that he's not going to be singing it from the rafters. So they go back inside where Dee Dee asks, so Damon asks Dee Dee and Adam if he can get them a retainer for his other business deals. So he wants to, he wants to use them as his official long-time lawyer chums, doesn't he? And Dee Dee's trying to say, no, I don't think that's a good idea. But Adam's like, brilliant. 
we could do with somebody like that, we actually. money for nothing. Yeah. So later on, and Damon's winding Leanne up even more by saying, oh, yeah, I'm your partner at the bistro. And, and he, um, he also asks Dee Dee about what she and Sarah were talking about earlier. And he's like, ah, she told you, didn't she? And Dee Dee tries to deny she knows what he's talking about, but he's not having any of it. And she says, look, you just need to leave Sarah alone. All right? So... Stop shagging her. Stop shagging about. She's got someone else to shag, which is how the episode ends, isn't and it? They've got like a legal contract about shagging. Uh, have they? Well, that's what that's what it is when you get married, isn't it? You have you basically sign a bit oh, of paper yeah. saying no more shagging about. Yeah, so Adam knows all about that. There, there is there is. <laughs> that's what it boils down to. There is one more meeting between Sarah Louise and Damon in the ginnel towards the end of the episode, Stop where she's about still saying. Me. Really? Damon. Damon. Come on now. Stop trying to shake me me again. Even though I'm beautiful. People start to think you're like that, Aaron. I've got some lip balm on, look. And I haven't got any pants on at the moment. But no, no, no. I need to focus on my marriage. So she, Sarah Louise, goes home and just drapes herself all over Adam on the sofa and seduces him and says... Oh, maybe we, let's have a baby after all. And that's like nature. She's like, oh, I, I, I'm just about to take my pill. Maybe I shouldn't. So when anyway. she says, let nature take its course. No, nature taking its course would be you being eaten alive by lions. No, it'd be Not shagging on a sofa. Struck down by lightning. Or getting dying What syphilis. Sarah Louise does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Friday, Sarah and Adam, they've been shagging the night away till half past Well, it's not going to work straight away. Mm? What isn't? Well, you can't just... What? Yeah, if you haven't had your pill. Yeah, you can't just go, oh, skip my pill now, I'm pregnant. Well, that's a storyline to go. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, um, Damon's trying to get more back involved in the bistro again on Friday, doesn't he? And it didn't take him long to to win Leanne around. Tell you what I'm sick of hearing about. What? It's stupid Ibiza. Like, I used to be really good in Ibiza. I used to have a business in Ibiza. My business in Ibiza was the best. I know how to do nightclubs in Ibiza. Go back to Ibiza then. <laughs> He's, they've found out that there's been a load of student accommodation being built between here and the city centre. And he says, right, we, we can take advantage of all these new students who are coming in by having open, no, what is it, late night licensing yeah. rules or something? I, I don't understand how pubs work. But so this means, so most, when, when is normal closing time? Literally, I have got no clue. Well, isn't it 11 o'clock in a pub? Not, not, I don't a know about the so anyway, they're gonna. He, he's saying, look, if we can stay up for a little bit longer than that, then people, all the students, will be kicked out of the Rovers if that's where they choose to go. I think what and they then they'll think be able to come here. They're in between where the halls of residence are going to be built in twenty twenty five, and the route to walk into the city centre of Manchester. Right. So they're saying when the students come home from their night out in Manchester, and they're walking along, they're going to walk okay. past our business, and if we're open. For drinks, they'll come in here. Mm. Yeah, so so Nick basically the, the episode goes with Nick and Leanne kind of mulling over whether this would be a good idea or not, um, and and is it does Sarah talk to Leanne and say that he's not so bad? I can't remember. But Adam's like, well, they call Adam in to see, oh, can we get a license to open later? And he's like, it's not that easy. I'll look into it. 
Yeah, but basically that's... Sorry, I've not been chronological at all at the moment here, but basically tonight's episode was just Nick and Leanne going back and forth about whether we should do this and then them agreeing at the end. Maybe that wouldn't be such a bad idea after all. But he he makes money, so I like money. I'm confused. Yes. Yeah, thank you very much to at Andre... Oh, sorry, Andrew... (laughs) <laughs> Maybe it is Andre WMCB or Why is it Andrew it Andrew MCB who um, who filled us in on that last scene because we were so, so we're trying really hard to, to pay attention but when you're tweeting and typing you miss things and yes. we can't we can, we can rewind, rewind it today. on this TV so they told us what happened in that last scene so anyway anyway wow. that's that it's the final shakedown do you, are you really not bothered care, no. at all Why not. I Why are you not appalled and disgusted by Sarah's flagrant abuse and uh, of her uh, 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 going against her marriage vows, her sacred holy marriage vows, Gemma, which we, me and you also took? It's not real. It's just a soap. <laughs> also, we've said all along, Adam and Sarah, no good with each other. I know. This is what I keep thinking, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm so conflicted. She's naughty, Minx, right? But she's she's not happy with Adam. He's he's ignoring her. He's he's like he's He's like working hard so that they can afford her. I don't care. He's ignoring her. And he's like, Oh, let's have a baby and then (laughs) But he's not even thinking to himself and she pointed this out and I was really proud of her when she said this. You don't even look after this baby that we've got here. We've got a baby at home. We're not having a baby out. You can't look after the one you've got. Well, I wasn't proud of Sarah this week. No, go. Don't know if you pick that up, yeah. You, you knock, knock boots with the weather you want. And then we're supposed to be... Then we're supposed to be feeling sorry for her on, like, Wednesday and Friday's episode when he's still badgering her. And she's like, he's hey, still oh... badgering her. Damon still is, isn't he? No, I think um, she's... I, I don't... Look... And she's going, oh, what a pickle I've got myself into. I really wish... it's a sexy pickle. It really would... I was kind of banking on the fact that he would have been going to prison, actually. Oh, what to do? And I'm like, you got yourself into this mess, Sarah Louise. You try and squirm your way out of it. Well, I'm still smarting from the fact that you're, like, finding it completely ridiculous and hilarious that a woman of my age could ever be sexy and desirable. Based on my appearance, yeah, but Sarah not, looks amazing. I'm not surprised about there that. There were lots of leg flashing this week. Yeah, well, if anything's going to attract and, Damon's attention, then. Right, so. <laughs> she so, did have an interesting outfit on on Wednesday, didn't she? That leather, black leather skirt. Oh, yeah, she's like, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to dress as. <laughs> Just to make it really, really clear that I'm woman. easy. <laughs> um, so, on. When she when she slept with Damon, they literally zoomed in on like the condom wrapper on the floor. Like they did. Nobody asked us questions about whether Sarah's gonna get pregnant. And then we had Sarah and Adam having unprotected sex. Yes. Um. And now, I just think she's not not gonna Coronation get Street made a big deal of the fact like she was she had she made him wear a condom and she was on the pill. So there's no way that they're gonna get pregnant, which just makes me think. Sarah's going to get pregnant with Damon's baby because they've gone on and on. They've gone on and on about how, oh yeah, this isn't, this isn't going to, um, this isn't going to happen. But now, because you've protested too much, I'm immediately suspicious. I mean, they're they're not 100% reliable, are they? Well, isn't it something like, they work out the rates for failure on contraception in a really weird way. It's like if a couple has sex for a year... 
and something's 99% effective, then one couple out of 100 in a year's worth of using this contraception, mm. it will fail. So right. it's not like, no, if you have sex 100 times with a condom, okay. then one time it's going to break. No. It's like over a period of a year. Yeah, yeah. So, and I also don't know if it fails, is it obvious or... I, 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 so, I've got no idea. So it's possible, and also pill is not 100% either, I would but have... it feels really unlikely that those two things combined, like Power Rangers, should be more powerful than I don't individual. think in soaps they really um, know about or call care to do with the, the dealing with messing with cleaning up and everything afterwards oh, they shut just up. they just kind of do it and then they're just like lying there going, shut up oh, rolling around in the wet patch right so, move on <laughs> um so yeah so i i think that it's not unlikely that she'll get pregnant do is, you think is this, so i think that i think it's because they've talked about babies so much she said i don't want a baby now i do pill. want a baby i'm on the pill i'm i'm yeah. yeah, which will mean is that is it going to be a who's the daddy storyline? Yeah, it but will it, be. But we've it, just had one of them, have we? Well, yeah. What? Well, you know, it was years ago, but it still feels recent. That's, yeah, no, you're right. It does. The last who's the daddy storyline I think we was, had was was um, Nick, and, Nick and Kylie and David. Yeah. When, and that was ten, that was ten years ago. But was it, it really? It was ten years ago. It was it was going on. Yeah, and, and um, it feels like it's like really recent and do you know what this makes me think what happens when you get old and time speeds up yeah but right so I imagine in the writers room of Coronation Street they've got all these egg timers like dotted on a, on a shelf and they're like acceptable length of time between yeah. this story and the next story and they're all sitting there and they're typing and typing and talking and then suddenly one of them alarm goes off and they rush over and they pick it up and they go we can do who's the daddy again <laughs> yes 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 who can we get knocked up <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean they they almost did one with um, you know it's not exactly the same thing, but when Ronnie came into the show, and it was yeah. like, oh, is he? Is, I can't is remember. Was he Michael or James's? I can't remember. One which of one these it was adorable Bailey children. But, no, this, there hasn't been a proper one for a while. But the fact that the condom was there isn't that's just a well, obviously it's not Damon's. Then it's. I mean, are they going to sleep together again? Well, she's off her pill now, so she hope not. Well, maybe she, maybe she will. Because it definitely, you know, she was saying many things on Monday and she Friday's episode. But, she would um, say anything to a man to get I, him in I, bed. I didn't, I didn't believe her. So I feel, I, I don't, I don't need, I, I, I will find, have, if this is where this is going, I will have a Who's the Daddy storyline, but I don't need Sarah Louise to well, have it, another baby. So I'm weird. kind of hoping for a miscarriage or something <gasps> along no! those lines. I, d- I don't that. want her to have a baby. I think it's I funny that if there's another Who's the Daddy storyline, it will still be that same family. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that Sarah and Adam will survive this? Like, what's he going to do if he finds out? Right. Because the other ironic thing with all this is, a year ago... Maybe even less than a year. No, it was about a year, wasn't it? The story with Adam and Sarah was she was accusing him of being unfaithful <laughs> and having this wasn't. affair with Lydia. And I know Lydia was making it all up. But she was like, oh, how, how could you do that? Um, our marriage. I, I, you know, and, and, and now she's turned around and done exactly the same thing. So is Adam, when he eventually finds out that this is going to happen, because this is always going to happen, is he going to be like, oh, well, I'm just as bad myself, you know? Or would he do what I would kind of hope he would do and say, sling your missus? I prefer Damon and Sarah together than Adam. and I I think that they get on so much better than Adam and Sarah did. Mm. Adam kind of treats Sarah the same way that Ken treats his wives, like... 
yeah, I mean, you'll do. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't really seem to think she, I mean, and to be fair, she's not, doesn't think she's very bright, doesn't really appreciate her achievements, doesn't, doesn't really care, doesn't get involved, expects her to make sacrifices for his career, but is not interested in supporting her and hers. But the problem is, we were supposed to get a lot of that from a couple of scenes of him not being able to go to the zoo or Alton Towers. If we're, if the audience, if Coronation Street wants the audience to think, you know what, Sarah Louise, she's been made to feel this small in her marriage, she's been completely neglected by her husband for all this time, I don't blame her for dropping her drawers for Damon. But no, it was just like the odd comment here and there, not going to the zoo, and now we're supposed to think, well... Clearly, he's given her a free pass to shag around, you know? And th- and this is what happens when you don't develop couples and relationships. You just stick them together, then put them in a cupboard for a year, and then bring them out for the next, um, you know, crumbling relationship drama, you know? So it's... I, I do think that Sarah Louise and Damon are more of an exciting couple than her and Adam. So maybe at the end of this... You know, yeah. they'll split up and I'll be like, well, I never liked them much anyway. And maybe I will like Sarah and Damon as a as a couple. But I don't know. I, do you see Damon as a long-term character? Not sure. I don't. I, it could be in it for a long time. I don't know. But we need antagonists. So I keep always say that, don't I? Yeah. Um, at uh, Cheshire One, at Cheshire One, Cheshire Chris sent us a little video clip of the conversation that Adam has with... Uh, oh, good. Okay. So it is just about the, the oh, license. So thank yeah, you for that. Thank you very much. Um... Um, well, um, right, so can I? T- yeah, I like I, the way you've written thoughts on Damon getting off. What was that? Getting get it, off with Sarah? No, getting off of the <laughs> jail. <laughs> Go on, we what? talked about Go on, that. What? Uh, I just wanted to say thank you very much, Coronation Street, for the uh, graffiti club call out that we got in tonight's can we get episode. A shout out? Um, yeah, because they, they talked about there used to be another place down the other end of the road that had a late night license and it was the graffiti club. And they turned so. it into a medical centre. They did, yeah. Yeah, so nice, nice. Anyway, Sarah, you go and think about what you've done, and I expect an apology for your. She's going to think about what she's done. She's going to get all hot and bothered again. Next week, honestly. Freddie or not, here Roy come. <laughs> Monday, Roy has. Um, Roy's got a friend, so don't worry about him. He's he's got a social life, rich and and important, including Melvin. Who has a dog, right? And here I'm just gonna. I need to unload my annoyance about this storyline very briefly with Freddy the dog. Every single time Freddy the dog appears on screen, they play the sound effect of a dog whining, and dogs don't make this noise constantly for no reason. It's like Freddy. Here's Freddy. It's like it sounds like a little alien off of a off a Star Trek or something, like a like a tribble. Maybe Freddy's gonna drop dead next week. He doesn't. Dogs don't do this. It's like equivalent of like, here's a man walking down Coronation Street. It's not just Coronation Street that does this, but lots of televisions and films. Like if there's any kind of animal on screen, they will play generic sound. Or they'll like there'll be a cat. cat Yeah, they'll have a cat walk past and then it'll go. Yeah. Why is it doing that? It doesn't make any sense. But with Freddy, it's relentless. It's literally, you can tell he's on script, he's in the scene without seeing him because it's like. 
Well, that, that I mean, that was supposed to be the thing that was oh, it's so that was winding Roy up, wasn't it? That well, was... if a dog, if I had a dog that was doing that, I think it had terminal cancer or something. <laughs> Dogs can tell, can't they? <laughs> Maybe it's a sensing dog. Maybe it's um. Maybe it's sensing all the emotional turmoil of Coronation Street. It's like, get me out of this place. <laughs> I think I'm going to get bumped off. I'm adorable. I'm going to die. I saw what happened to the last dog that's on this show. I saw what happened to Eccles. I always end up in the vet with people crying over the corpse. I don't want that for myself. I want to run free in the field. I want to go live with Auntie Pam. <laughs> right, so he's got this little dog. And two, Roy says... It's made me realise that we've got two deaths in one week, haven't we? Rufus and Melvin. Probably yeah. standing next to each other in the queue. And then it was, you know, it was Cerberus. Yeah. I thought it was quite I'm funny. I'm reckoning at the I body count, aren't they, Corey? I can't on the podcast or not, but it's really ironic that um, there have been quite a lot of deaths recently, including three human males. And the only people, the only one we cared about was a dog. <laughs> yeah, it's I like, know. He's killed Teddy, Rufus and Leo. And we're like, ho-hum. Yeah, but Cerberus. Cerberus, oh no, it's <laughs> making me cry. So, um... So they have to leave um, uh, Freddy at the cafe, I think, because... No, they don't. That's not what happens Well, he doesn't listen. He doesn't want the dog to go to the bat watching. That's why I was confused, because I remember him saying, I don't think you should take the dog bat watching with you. Okay. They come back from the cafe saying, Melvin took a funny turn, had to go to the hospital. So I've got to take the dog in. I don't really want to. So he goes to number nine and tells Evelyn about... The heart attack. Melvin's heart attack, yeah. Says, I need I need your advice about looking after dogs. And Evelyn keeps, like, being really prickly and, like, keeping it, uh, keeping this whole thing at an arm's length because she doesn't want to be hurt again. She doesn't want to think about dogs and it makes her sad and reminds her of Cerberus. Well, she's, she's like... also not on best terms <clears throat> with Roy at the moment anyway, is she? After he um, fed this killer Eccles cake to, to Cerberus. So that's why she's, she's acting a bit like this. So she's like, I'm not interested. I don't want you to palm this dog off on me. So Nina's looking up the cafe, and Roy's like, "Oh, I've just got. Fe- I've just been told that Melvin's dead. But now, what will happen to Freddie? Looks like he's gonna have to stay with us until I can find out what Melvin's sister wants to do with him, mm. with him." I love that Roy's got like an old Nokia thirty two ten or something, doesn't he? As a as a phone replacement this uh, this week. <laughs> so on on Wednesday. Roy tells Shona he barely slept because Freddie is walking around <laughs> Shona offers to take him for a walk and then this widow phones up and she doesn't want to date the dog back. I, I don't think it is a widow. I've written widow here, but I'm no, guessing it's it actually sister. sister. So he goes to get dog food in the corner shop and Evelyn's there and he tells her about this. And she says, this is a disaster waiting to happen. So Roy finds a home for the dog at the shelter and Jonah's like, oh no, his owner's died and now you're rejecting him. He's going to be so sad. But he doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't. And then... Heartless Roy. He's bad as Evelyn Stephen. Evelyn finds Roy in the pub and he tells her what he's done. And she's shocked. And when we did our thing on Wednesday, um, our summary of the, of the day... Street were, talk short, You yes. were like... Oh yeah, well get of course. In, get, rid, get rid of him. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Sense. Sorry. No. Just because your mate, who you've actually never met before on screen, just because your mate drops dead, it doesn't mean you That's, actually necessarily have to person. take in their dog, the dog, cat, the hamster, I African would. elephant. African elephant? Well, he's probably what got an Indian elephant. Well. I prefer the African one. Um, no, Roy is not a dog person. Clearly, 
it, well, uh, yeah, I feel bad for him, but he doesn't have the responsibility of looking after this dog. You're no, take him to the dog shelter. No, where he will be, be very shot. soon picked up, up by a family who want to give him a lovely forever home. Doesn't have to be Roy okay. just because he's a main character. No, I think I think it's wrong. I think if a man dies in your arms. You have to adopt he his didn't family. He die in his arms. He found out about it over the phone. <laughs> you have to adopt his dog and his wife. No. And I, avenge him. I think we were supposed to be kind of appalled at Roy, but I was I like... I was. I would do the same Sorry, thing. Sorry, I... No, I think if you're horrible. Cat. If it was You're a, cat, a horrible person. It. You're a bad, bad person. You're Why? You're as bad as worse than Sarah. No. You're abandoning a dog and its owner's just I'm died. I'm not abandoning it. You I'm are. I'm saying... Go and live at someone else's home that wants one. You're rude. <laughs> you're just you're just I saying this because you want a dog. I want a dog. You do, you... I'm so jealous. If yeah, imagine this. Imagine right, this. Roy's taken Freddie yeah. to the dog shelter. Yeah. You go along there yeah. and you get Freddie. Yeah, you wouldn't be no, so bad about. No, I go wouldn't... along there and say, "Oh, can I please adopt this dog?" And they say, "No, we're gonna go and." look at your house and tell you that it's not good enough and also charge you £250. And I'll say, I don't have that money, so you can keep the dog. Fine, whatever. I'm just saying, don't look a free dog in the mouth. <laughs> so on Friday, Roy is speaking to someone from the rescue saying, oh, I'd actually like to, to you to come and... I suppose I better have this dog because everybody thinks back. I'm a callous um, abandoner. You are a callous abandoner, Roy. <laughs> Heartless bastard. Evelyn is in the cafe later going, you've made the right decision. That dog will will love you and you'll love it more than anything. And he's reading this manual about how to be a dog owner. And Evelyn is looking through it and then she sees a picture of Cerberus and then she gets all sad again. It's not Cerberus, obviously. It's just a grand, greyhound. Dog rescue person comes around, does the home assessment. And then the lady asks, and then she asks him on the way out, like, just before I go, Roy, why do you want to be a dog owner? And he's like... I'm not, I don't want to do a dog. And everyone's like, right, you can't say that. And he says, no, but I think it's a noble pursuit of humankind to <laughs> engage in a relationship with nature and understand a being one cannot communicate with, with anything but a look or a glance, and find comfort and warmth in each other's company, even though we may not speak the same language, because he goes, all day long, and I don't know what that means. Even so, we can still love one another the same way I loved my wife, Hayley. The woman's like, it's good enough for me, love. So I think, all right, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was, off I, now. She's like, I've literally got go. a box that's three sentences long <laughs> to write this down. So could you be a bit more precise, please? <laughs> I'll just put philosophical beliefs, shall I? <laughs> so, um, she's... She uh, gets in the dog. She's like, yeah, sounds good to me. Got to go. Bring. I'll, I'll deliver the dog to you because that's the service that we do here at the shelter. We deliver dogs to people. I can't stop. I've got to go. And then she drops the dog off. He's he's running around buying food. Then when he comes back, the dog's there, and he's like really awkward and left with this dog. I did enjoy that scene. And he's an like, awful lot. I know you don't speak English, but I'm going to tell you a joke about salmon. So, so this was um, Evelyn had told him because he's he's got his he's read the manual and everything, which is obviously a very Royston thing to do. But then, in practical, 
you know, I've got a dog here on the end of a lead. What do I do with it? No idea. So Evelyn said, you just need to talk to him and getting used to your voice and everything. And he just like tries to converse with him. Roy, Mr. Antisocial, finds small talk probably... Excruciating. Yeah, excruciating. And he's trying to talk to this dog like somebody... Like I can imagine Hayley sitting Roy down on the sofa saying, this is how you talk to people. Tell them your salmon joke, Roy. People love that Break one. out the salmon joke. Yeah. And so he, I, I thought that was very, very sweet. When he makes a reference to the fact that he's told this joke years ago, um, um, it, he actually did, did as, as we said earlier. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That, that's he's got a it. dog. I mean, I'm I'm confused as to whether Evelyn's going to end up with this dog or not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why uh, Roy's got it. I, I think... I, I, I'm not... I mean, I'm sad about Cerberus and everything, but... I, I, it feels like it's too soon for another character just to get a convenient dog, you know? It's like, good but, job Cerberus died, because what would we have done we if... We haven't got any pet budget left. Yeah. It it was like, almost felt like they killed off Cerberus just so they could bring in this other dog. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. And I, I, as fun as that last scene was, and it did almost change my mind on it, I'm kind of still thinking... I don't need Roy to have a dog. I want Evelyn to have the dog, but technically, if Roy didn't want the dog anymore, you'd have to give it back to the shelter because you, usually you have to sign something. I bet they won't care. They won't. They won't care about that, will they? Mm. So do you think? I see. I don't. I think it's too soon for Evelyn to get a new dog. I think she needs to. She needs to grieve. be grieved. She needs to grieve for Cerberus a little bit more. I don't know. It's just come a bit too soon, but I'm sure I'll get over it. Um, get I did it. think it was a little bit odd how it seems quite common that when somebody on Coronation Street gets a dog, they're bequeathed it by some um, somebody that they barely know. Like when David got Doggy David, wasn't it like an old biddy at the salon that gave it to him when she kicked the bucket? Um, and we had um, Eccles was given to Blanche from her old mate that died. Like, can't people just go to the dog shop and buy a dog? Is that how it works? <laughs> um, I think they don't want to support breed, breed dog breeding because it's generally not. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, it just seemed like I, I don't think we needed Melbourne. Well, it's the same as like nobody wherever. has a baby on Coronation Street except by accident. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, so that, that, it, that that was that was fine. That story now. How much have we got left? I, I, sorry, am I keeping? No, you up? no, because. Look at how long this street talk is. It doesn't matter. People love it. People love it. We didn't have a bonus podcast this week. So we got the Glenda storyline. Never relented to Glenda B. And with her, with her, what's it, um, little big shots business. I like which that. Which we saw, we saw some bits of when we were at yeah. the set on Saturday, weren't we? In the Coronation Street tour, when you go into the um, uh, community centre, they had all of that stuff that was in tonight's episode, they had it all displayed out there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, we've seen a spoiler thing that's going to happen in like eight weeks' time. No, less than a week later, it already appeared on screen. So anyway, um, Glenda has got a lucky box of shorts on on Monday morning because she she wants them to be giving her all their magic powers so she can get a foot in the door with this stage school franchise thingamajig. Um, so she meets up with Estelle, and what do you know? What what are the chances of this? The woman who had bought the Weatherfield franchise, she's only gone and pulled out of it. Well, I never saw that coming. Nor did I. Can Glenda take it over, as Estelle says? Look, I'll even reduce the price to £5,000. I only want to take 25% of the profits, honestly. It'll be fine. And, and Glenda's like, brilliant, I'm, I'm well in there. 
But um, Eileen is somewhat wary when she hears about this because she remembers back to not two years ago when Sean was caught up in this MLM story. The uh, What was it called? Um, Double, glammy. Double Glammy. And she's like, this this sounds like it's the same sort of thing. And I don't necessarily blame her for thinking that and it kind of makes sense of the story, but Eileen did come across yet again as a bit of a miserable cowbag. She was being week, a right mardy cow. All like proper, proper, sour, nasty... This is, this is what... Mean, it, she, like she, Beth used to be. She, it was like Beth still is, I'm going to say. I don't think... I was going to say that I don't think that Eileen has sunk to the loads of Beth in terms of obnoxiousness. But she's getting there. I think some of the writers have forgotten, or the, you know, the, whatever, have forgotten or don't care about, that that's not what Eileen is like. Like, when she came into the show, she was generally quite a cheery, positive kind of fun person, wasn't she? She was just very she was standoffish with the, with the people on the end of the phone line at streetcars, if I remember rightly, and maybe I don't. But it, it, she, it seemed to me that she had a smile on her face a lot more than she had a scowl. But these days, she's just, you know, pouring cold water on everything, isn't she? And mm-hmm. I, I, I used to love her. I still like Eileen, but I used to love her a lot more because of her kind of spark and spunkiness and well she was sarcastic which is different from being just a horrible bitch yeah so and she, she was just like all the way through she, she and right and also just to just to skip ahead and spoil it slightly she wants to go on a cruise and for some reason she thinks that um george should be paying for this even though why why i mean they're going out with each other but why well, does he just... have to pay for everything? Why can't she pay some of it? Well, and, and then aren't they saying that she can pay for her bit and he can pay for his bit? I don't know. I got the impression she expected him to pay for all of it I'm because she's sure. moaning on about wanting to go on a cruise, and then he gives the money to Glenda, and then she's like, eh. "All right, all right, hold your horses because you're getting ahead of yourself." Yeah, that's that's basically that's what it. happens. That's isn't what it? happens. The end. <laughs> we've only we've not even going two hours for this street talk. Come on, it's fine. So anyway, um, George says. Look, I don't I don't think that I can afford the cruise, love. I'm thinking I might give Glenda the money for this franchise. And Eileen says, you've been a massive mug. But you know what? Your money, throw away if you want well, it to. it is his money, so shut up, Eileen. <laughs> so Glenda comes over to number nine later. And this is when George says to her, look, are you absolutely sure that Estelle's on the straight and narrow here? That she's not trying to pull the wool over your eyes and scam you? And Glenda's like, no, no, I really trust her. There's nothing. She, she's, she's my mate from olden days. She's nothing with go wrong she she says oh she kind of drops a line in about i've paid her back for all the money i used to owe her well most of it or something doesn't she do you remember that yeah so it's it's possible that estelle is this is a massive long con just to try and get glenda back for a 5p that showed her 20 years ago or something i don't know but anyway um glenda's saying well now now i think maybe george you don't trust me and george says of course i tell you my sister i trust you to the end of the earth but if you're sure that this is what you want i'll lend you the money glenda's thrilled by this and he's like just don't tell eileen all right because 
Sarah Louise isn't the only one that's keeping secrets from her husband at the moment. I'd quite like to keep this one from her as well, all right? Yeah, what could go wrong, possibly? So later on, Glenda's been a bit tiddly. She's had some celebration drinks with George. Eileen comes in and Glenda says, oh, I'm now the owner of the franchise of Little Big Shots, Weatherfield. Um, and I've, I've got the money from an ISA I just discovered that I'd been sitting on. And at this point, Eileen should have said, that's completely unlikely and that sort of thing never happens to people who live around here. They just discover this magic pot of money that they never knew existed. But instead she's like, I don't believe you. I think that George has given you that money. And George is like, no, no, no. I promise I haven't. This was why Elaine, uh, Eileen should have been mad. The light and not the money. No, she was, she was. But I got the impression that she wasn't. I know maybe I'm wrong, but it's just, it's just because it was added to her sour-faced moaning. It did add to it, but on Wednesday she did repeatedly say, it's more the lying that I'm mad about, but she kind of gets over it fairly quickly anyway. So anyway, Glenda kind of brings um, coffees and brioches to number 11 for breakfast to try and persuade Eileen to hand out some little big shots flyers on Wednesday, because now she's got this franchise, she needs to lure in all the kids like the child snatcher. And she says... Um, yeah, go, go, and, go and attract all the, the young local talent because I've got my first meeting going on on Nothing Friday. Nothing more attractive than being handed a flyer by someone who looks like a tuna wasp. <laughs> so um, Glenda kind of swans back to the, um, to the street later. She's just been buying a load of posters and bits and bobs and everything for it. And Eileen sees this and is like, well, clearly she's doesn't know what she's talking about with her money. She can't be trusted with it because she's now wasting all this and it's just all going to go wrong for her. Um, later on, Glenda admits that she's only had two kids sign up in Little Big Shots and she needs 30 in the groups to strike even with it. Um, then George says, oh, um, you know, I'm starting to regret, I don't know what exactly he said, like, oh, I shouldn't have given you this money. And of course, Eileen overhears this and now she is furious that he's been lying to her for the past 24 hours. So they're at the Rovers later and Glenda's handing out, was it raffle tickets or something that she was doing? Mm -hmm. To try and get money for, what was she trying, trying to get in the... She's raising money, everyone gives her five pounds yeah. or whatever. And then she keeps all the money and then they win a prize if they're the winning ticket. But what was Do you the... not know how a raffle yeah, works? Yeah, no, but what was she trying to get money for? Because she's well, she already got... she needs to costumes and things, doesn't she? Oh, okay, fine. Anyway, Evelyn wins five free salsa lessons. So, um, you know, watch this space for that to happen. Um, Friday, we've got the classes, um, which basically, we've only had a couple of scenes of this. Glenda's there at the community centre. Um... George is impressed with how she's done up the place and um, you're going to be great, it's going to be wonderful. And then we get to see one scene of this Little Big Shots group going on, which is basically all of the Corrie kids, plus a couple of non-speaking extras, playing Wink Murder. <laughs> is is that what a stage school well, is I these think, days? I think stage school is just babysitting for people, for parents who've watched too much Britain's Got Talent. I think you're right, yeah. It's for the... It's for, Pet is for the children of tiger mums, isn't it? And stay, pushy, pushy, mums. pushy stage mums, yeah. I think I it was supposed... I think this wink murder was supposed to be, uh, all your parents are come to pick you up, let's play one game of this. So we didn't actually get to see them attempting to act. And um, oh. <laughs> I, no. I did... No, okay. I, okay. 
I, I'm getting the vibes from Gemma that I'm not about. I'm not allowed to say how ironic that certain no. certain cast members and child characters little. were brought in for these particular I don't agree scenes. With it. Only but um, it was nice to see Jake again, wasn't it? Jake and his floppy friends doing his getting his murdered all over the floor. But um, I want to yeah, know interesting stuff. I, I just wonder like how much of this is going to be based on the experiences that some people who work on Corey have had with like yeah I do I do working wonder. with kids and like what what it's like and are they going to have any pushy stage mums because this is really so so ripe for hilarious situations yeah. I hope which so. I'm sure some of which will be based on real life I'm still not really really feeling it I'm not really sure why because I do like Glenda I love Glenda I think and, and I like George and and you know, which is better on paper I like Eileen but I think maybe she's bringing it down and it's also that clearly this is a bit of a fillery story it's feeling in the, in the similar vein to like the Ken and Wendy and Mary play that it's got the potential of being a little bit silly and eye rolly um, and yes but I, I don't know maybe it's going to turn into something more you can't have you know yeah. Not not every storyline can be the A story, but I am glad that Glenda's at last getting a story of her own. Maybe I just need more scenes of it because when it actually started today, like as I said, today's only had about three or four scenes of that because it's too busy. Stephen bumping off Rufus in the swimming pool to be able to have Love little it. big shots. Um, but yeah, so we we had we had Jake there, we had Lily there, we had Sam, we had Hope, we had Ruby. Um, we had, was Joseph there as well I think I don't know it was nice to see them all because some of them it was probably their first appearance all year do you think that it's a scam double scammy do you think it's a double glammy scammy style thing no I don't, maybe I don't I, I'm happy to just let it unfold I'm not gagging for conclusion or anything I, 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 I like the idea of her having a stage school and so if it is a scam then I'll be disappointed because I feel as though this is actually a really good idea for a business on Corrie that isn't something we've seen before a million times it gives characters an opportunity to talk to each other that isn't oh, I'm going to go to the cafe again gives the kids something to do I just I don't necessarily need every single Coronation Street kid there to fill up the numbers like is this really the sort of thing that Sam would be interested in not convinced Lily she's already a mega football star is she going to be the next best actress as well whatever after school clubs go and shove them in (laughs) yeah but very convenient that the the community centre was um, able to accommodate them at such short notice wasn't it what's that you want to make a booking no we're fully we're there's no bookings to be had, I'm afraid. We've got the knitting circle, the book club. I have to say, there was a funny sign in... Um, there was a funny sign in... Well, it wasn't funny. I thought I made it funny in my head. <laughs> it was a sign of like different activities that are coming on the community centre during the week. And it had book club and it had a line through it. And this was like... You could only see this if you went on the tour and looked at the noteboard. Book club with a line through it that said cancelled, and I was just imagining all the drama that would led up to this book club being cancelled, <laughs> and like imagining scenarios of like which characters on the street would be in this book club, and what what's what bad behaviour would they be getting away with? Yeah. Like Debbie would turn up and she'd just drink or try and try to sell people wine. Mm. Oh, she'd host it, wouldn't she? And she'd be trying to upsell everybody on wine, and like Toya would come with like a a whole notebook full of her carefully crafted thoughts yeah um daisy and jenny wouldn't have even read the book <laughs> um fizz would have 
would have watched the film. Well, I but did... she fell asleep, so she doesn't know how it, how it ended. They, they had a book. I mean, club... it's really obvious. I know but... they had a book club story with the um, the Lionel Hipkiss in yeah. McKellen character, didn't they? When they had the old the oldies in it. But yeah, I'm just nice to see the community centre. I think that's the first time we've seen it since. Um, Riff's cra- Griff's crayfish rant, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> we've got to exercise it now with uh, with happy thoughts. Yes, and and drama and comedy and bright, bright sparkly smiles. Yes, right. That's what stage school's yeah, all about. Yeah, right. Um, next it, final story is about Ryan and Alia is still being his good Samaritan, the only person he will accept to talk to. Um, yeah, he's still like pushing away anybody that wants so to show him any kind of compassion. You're supposed to or... watch this and to go, oh, Ali is so fantastic and nice and supportive, and she's there for him, and he's the she's the only one. She is the only one he trusts, so she must be a good person. And it's really great that she's there for him when he needs her. Instead, I'm thinking, like, is she just making him agoraphobic or something? And, like, nobody, don't have any visitors. They won't understand you like (laughs) I will. If they see your face, they'll run away. I'm the only person who could be your friend now, Ryan. It's just me and you forever. I wonder how many people have tried to visit Ryan just to, like, oh, I wonder if he's, wonder if he's got his dressings off yet. I wonder if I can have a look. Hello, Carla. Yes, I'm afraid Ran can't come to the phone. It's me, Alia. He can't see anyone now. He doesn't want to see you. He only wants to see me. <laughs> okay, so... No, that's not really what happens. But um, Alia's talking to Roy about how Ryan's still struggling and she visits him at the hospital and, and she's concerned that he doesn't want to... He's putting off looking at his scars and they're not going to let him out until he's confronted the reality of what he looks like. And I think, honestly, so Ryan Prescott, who plays Ryan, is it Connor? Yeah. Um, he He's obviously just enjoying this pe- period of relative freedom where he can, his scenes, he can just have a big plaster yeah. or a big bandage stuck on his face instead of being an, an hour in makeup to get it on and off. So he's probably, in, he's probably like, no, I don't want to go home. I don't want to take my bandages off. I like it like this. <laughs> so... She's concerned and uh, he, he's really down about it. And he also says he's, he's still in a lot of pain and he can't go to Ibiza now because Crystal hasn't phoned him up. And so he just feel, he's feeling depressed. So Carla is um, bumps into Arlene and George on the street and they're asking how Ryan is. And she says, I really don't know because he won't let me see them, see him. And uh, Eileen says, if she if he's anything like my lads, you shouldn't ask. You should just turn up because he'll always say that he doesn't want you to visit. So she does. And he lets her sit with him and they have a, a nice talk. And he says, Ali is so great. Yeah, she she he kind of is saying, oh, she's so helpful. But um, it, it she, feels like there's a whiff of romance here between yes, Ali I mean, and... It's clear it's going to happen. that way. Yeah. Oh, this was more of a kind of. She just wants to get out, go out with him because she's like, I can't compete with him. But yeah, if you can't be him, join him. So yeah, I can't be him, join him. (laughs) If I become his girlfriend, everyone will think I'm a good person and they'll praise me. Yeah. And maybe I can get on like a TV show or something. (laughs) This is clearly just a warm up for the storyline coming back next week. I'm kind of hoping because this this is a story that's completely dropped off a cliff, hasn't it? I've seen a few people on 
on the social media saying, oh, I haven't watched it for a week. Is the acid attack storyline still going? What's going on with that? And people are like saying, yeah, literally nothing has happened with the acid, acid attack storyline since a few episodes no, I mean, after it happened. Like, and it, the effect it's had on Daisy is that she kind of had to, had to, was, you know, like pull on her shirt as like, right, gussy myself up to work in the pub, which is the scene of the crime, and make a sad face, yeah. and then just get on with it. It's The pacing just hasn't worked with this, and the Amy and Aaron storyline, which has now dropped off the pace of the planet again. I know it's only been a week or so, but it's it's feeling like Corey is really, really struggling to maintain momentum in some of its biggest stories at the moment. The Stephen one is kind of working oh, more, it Stephen. feels like, even though that is also all having some focus, weeks where nothing all happens. All the budget, put it on Stephen. But if, if Coronation Street is saying, hey, we're doing this rape storyline, it's all about consent, it's really, really important. And meanwhile, we've got this really you know, serious stalking storyline, asset attack, oh, can you believe that? And then they're Good saying... Band nothing's happening nobody's even going to mention it this week it it just it feels like it's it's not quite right the, the the balance isn't there as much as it needs to be for me but anyway anyway um I can summary of the week summary of the week Gemma. um i on my street talk shorts went bobbins bobbins bog standard because i was just so few minutes Sarah louise on monday and wednesday's episode that it maybe colored my enjoyment of those episodes as a whole um, I was I was a bit fed up with you know Damon getting off on Wednesday. On Wednesday's episode, I didn't really enjoy the Stephen stuff, but now looking back with it in hindsight, it, it I'm happy that it went that way. The Glenda storyline was all right. The the dog story was all right. Nothing that exciting for me, but um yeah, definitely definitely the end of tonight's episode made up for it. It was definitely in the two territory before today, but I'm, I'm really gonna, oh yeah, yeah absolutely, you were hating it. absolutely. Um, I'm gonna give it. Um, I'm gonna give it um, three. Yeah, three floaters out of five. Three floaters. And I don't know whether that's Rufus or or something that's been oh, left in the downstairs bathroom of the Bailey's that. house. Dee what have you done? <laughs> um, what about you? How many? What was it? Mm. Malfeasance. What? That's is not it... a word. Yes, it Miscreants. is. Miscreants. Malfeasance is a word. Is it? What does it mean? Um, it means mind your own business. <laughs> Doesn't it mean doing something naughty? Your, how many pints of miscreants are you going to be giving this week's Four. coronation? Four. Honestly, that scene yeah, no, you enjoyed. with Stephen was like my scene of the year. And there's been... No. Yeah. Is it really? No, that's it. I'll let you have it. I'm Over not... what? I'm not... I thought that, um, I mean, there was stuff with the, um, I, I thought, I still think the Acid Attack episode has yes, been my best favourite scene of the year. Yes, the Acid Attack episode was really good. Stephen on LSD. Loved great it. Great scene of the year. This has got some strong competition. It does. It's, it's a real funny year, this one. Like, there some, some episodes, I'm like, this is moments. great. Corrie's really back on form. And then there'll be other episodes where I'm like, this Corrie doesn't know what it's doing at the moment. It's... Like, when I think towards, say, the beginning of last year, if I think about the pace of last year's Coronation Street, it was, like, really, really painfully slow first couple of the months of the year. Then Abby has her baby, and it's all guns blazing up until Britain's Got Talent Week. Really strong stuff. And then it just kind of plodded along for the rest of the year with some good bits and some bad bits. But this year, it's just been really all over the place in terms of... um, 
consistently great stories. Even stuff like, you know, the Max story, which was huge at the beginning of the year. Where's Max at the moment? Yeah, I know yeah, he's, in, he's prison in prison at the moment, but why aren't we seeing him in prison? There, there's, it's, it's just a too many characters, too many stories um, problem mm. that there's no immediate solution for, but maybe drowning a few more in the swimming pool would be um, one way of doing it. Malfeasance means wrongdoing in oh, does the office. It? Oh, you've just been looking up for it. Oh, well done. I knew it was a word. Okay, okay. I knew it meant doing something naughty. Not, not a good name for a brand of draft ale, though. No, but it's a beautiful name for a baby, Sarah. Do you have a character of the week and it better not be Sarah Stephen, Louise. Stephen, <laughs> love you Stephen, Uncle Stephen, be my friend. Um, He's oh, my favourite. I gotta, yeah, I mean. I love him, I love him so much. <laughs> I don't, character of the year. I don't know whether. Stephen Reed. I don't know whether anyone else. <sighs> can particularly stand up to Remember Stephen. Back Although, when like, he... I, was, I was a bit fed up with Stephen even on Wednesday when he did no. his stupid, you think you're on top? Well, I'll have well, a last laugh. Up, drown Here's some a... scary sound effect. In a pool. I didn't really enjoy him there. But... Well, you're wrong. You, it's a, there's only, there's in or out with Stephen and if you're out, you're against us and me and Stephen are going to get I'm you. I'm surprised you're not giving Roy character of the week for no. um, taking on no, little Freddy dumped, against No, because he dumped his... him first. Yeah, but you took him back in no, the end. No, that's rubbish. That's all that matters. No, it doesn't. Um, yeah. It's obviously Stephen. Go Stephen on, is... Ca- every Go week. on, Stephen. Every week. Ste- no, back, sometimes I'm it's Daisy. It. I'm backdating it. Every week is Stephen. <laughs> Uncle Stephen, love you. You are not got... I'm not going to say you've got the entire Corrie viewing population on your side well, of Well, listen, there, me and Stephen will beat them up. And Just drown be- them in the <laughs> There we go. <laughs> okay, so four from you, three from me. Two votes for Uncle Stephen. Congrats. Um, let's move on. Thanks, guys. Let's move on and do some really news. really means a lot. Okay, so cabin time. we got some proper decent Coronation Street news to kick off with this time because the Soap Awards long list has been announced. Soap Awards Yay! are back after, you know, last year it was its first year for the first time in... Well, I don't know that sentence didn't even make sense. Last year's Soap Awards was the first one for a good few years. Thank you, COVID. But it's back again this year. We're the date, flagged, date of the award has still not been announced yet, but it's going to be, you know, end of May, early June time. And you can now vote in the long list. Now, remember, this is only a couple of categories. Every year it seems to, you know throw me because I'm expecting to be able to vote in everything but the vast majority of the soap awards is panel voted but you can vote in the leading performer best villain best young performer and of course best British soap category so best young performer Gemma mm-hmm. who's Jude Jordan yeah yeah, clearly you've got to vote for him. Interesting choice. I mean, he is a he is a great one. But there was there was some you know stiff competition probably from Isabella Flanagan as well. But I'm happy that Jude's up there. Best villain, Gemma. Who, who? Stephen Reed. Stephen, yeah. Stephen Todd, Reed. Todd Boyce you. is the one that you can vote for there. Stephen Reed, best. I'm gonna buy tickets to see the Soap Award and I'm gonna shout, I love you, Stephen. See, this is the thing. The tickets, the Soap Awards. It's like, oh, when do you want to get? Like, I'm always like, when when they're gonna announce them? When they're gonna announce them? Because we've been to the Soap Awards. We've been to like the last four now, haven't we? So it seems to be our thing now. So I just don't know when the Soap Award tickets are gonna drop. But yes, Stephen Reed is down for the best villain, and I. I kind of really love it because I think I think the soap watching world would just implode if Stephen Reed got best villain. He's the best. 
best. Some people think he's the best. Some people yeah. think well, that he's people... the worst thing to... No. To... Some people think he's the best and other people are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> people, I, I, th- Steven, Steven, I just think Steven. that, you know, he's chap- he's campy and cheesy and not necessarily to be taken seriously. And uh, I don't get why people I don't are know... still trying to make some kind of gritty Sarah Lancashire crime drama out of Stephen Reed chucking I, someone in a bin. I've got no it's... idea what the competition is from the other soaps. Can't be as good as this. <laughs> um, we've got um, Best British Show, obviously, vote for Coronation Street. Best Leading Performer. So there's quite a few that you can vote for here. So we've got five to choose from, Gemma. So we have got Charlotte Jordan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Daisy Midgley, obviously, great pick. She's who I voted for. Um, we have got, interestingly, Ryan Prescott. Why is that interesting? Well, because he's not really had very much to do. If we're saying a leading performer in this the past why, 12 months of Coronation Street, yeah, he got acid why, in the face, but what else? There's no such thing as a leading performer in a safe anyway. What do you mean? It's an ensemble thing. It's stupid. Well, it, this is, remember, this is the replacement this is for the best the actor gendered, and best actress. I was literally about to say that. They're replacing them because they're cowards and... Um, they have they don't know what to replace it with, so they put leading performer like they think it's a musical or something. It's not. It's a soap. Mm, There's no. Okay. Le- there shouldn't be a leading performer. I'm just saying that Ryan Prescott, although he has done really well in this acid attack storyline, he's barely had anything to do in the last twelve months, and now he's suddenly a leading performer. That doesn't make sense. Well, yes, I'm sure he's an gonna... unfair. It's an unfair category. I mean, we're a month and a half away, let's say, from the Soap Awards, so I'm assuming he's going to have more to do between now and then. But this isn't this isn't a celebration of the next month and a half. It's supposed to be what happened in the past year. Anyway, um, we've got Elle Mulvaney. Um, again. I'm not going to say she did loads last year, but at least the rape storyline and some of the other stuff that she's been going on with in the summer story she was tangentially involved with. Yeah, fair enough. In, very interesting that Harriet Bibby's not nominated here. We've got Sarah Khan, um, who plays Alia. She's been she you know, blown up. fairly consistently got on stabbed. our screens in the last 12 months, hasn't she? Yeah. Having all manner of um, tragedy dumped upon her. So. She's like... A really sad version of Challenge Annika. Fair, fair enough that it's her. Um, and then Paddy Beaver is yeah, there. Yeah, really Max, good. Yeah, really, really pleased to see him there. That's fantastic. And I think lots of people agree that he's really come on. But none of these characters are leading performers in Coronation Street because there really shouldn't... There isn't one. It's, it's a really interesting mix, I think. Like, I wouldn't say any of these are traditional picks. If I could see... Right, who's, the, who's been the main character in Coronation Street? In the last twelve months, you wouldn't say any of these people. I don't know, and I'm not critic. I'm not criticizing them. I think they're all great. I'm criticizing the Soap Awards for ha- for the audacity to create a category that is the antithesis of what a soap is even supposed to be about. Well, they will have the best dramatic performance um, category as well. So maybe they're just trying crap, to differentiate it. it right? Anybody, it's just know. such utter rubbish. <laughs> I think that you... best dramatic performance versus best. What, what's the work, what's wrong with being best dramatic performer, best leading drama, best amazing hair? Bring back sexiest soap star, why don't we? <laughs> I just it's stupid. I think that it's it's notable that none of the usual big names are there. Like there's no Sally Carmen there. There's no even even you know the old old favourites like um, uh, Sally Denever, for example, or. 
you, you know, you, usually there are some much bigger names and you think, oh yeah, obviously they're going to be there and it's not usually that we see these names up for nomination. So anyway, fair play to no, them. No, I think they're but... all really, really, really brilliant. I just think that the, the title of the category is stupid. I said it about five times I down. think I, I think want we whoever get this. is in charge of this, I'll come on this podcast and explain to me. You won't be able to in a satisfactory way as to why you've called it that. Gemma, if people would like to vote Don't in the long them. list of the British Soap Awards, no. how long have they got to do this? About Probably about two days. Okay. What 25th of April at 5pm is, 5 is no. when the vote closes. So if you are not completely against the British Soap Award naming conventions, as my co-host here seems to be, Silly. and uh, you can bring yourselves to give a few clicks for your favourite right. Coronation this Street actors, my... get yourself over to the you... British Soap Awards website. If you don't know who to vote for, what you do is you get a piece of A4 paper and you do a poo on it, then you fold it in half and then you open it. It's like a Rorschach. Like, and then you look at it and see what does this symbol look like to me and whatever it looks more like, whichever of these characters, that's the one you should vote for. Okay. Okay? <laughs> yeah, you're really not happy with this, are you? I just think it's utter nonsense. So, I, well, we, we're going to go may, there. Yeah, I I think, I like the idea, I you guys, I really like the Safe Awards and I like the idea of, of rewarding the actors. I think there should be more behind the scenes categories mm -hmm. but i can't support getting first of all i don't support getting rid of different um gendered categories because it's it's just lunacy to pretend that male men and women have different roles and get treated in the same way in a soap and secondly if you're going to get rid of those two categories Replacing them with a nonsensical category like leading performer is just stupid. I do feel the same way as you, honestly. I just think I... We've well, got to balance it out, haven't you? Yeah, I think I used up all my bile and anger and affrontedness in the Sarah Louise storyline earlier today, so I, I can't I can't give you a full-on exactly how I, I just think how now, much and I agree I just think with you now they, they're, they're never going to bring back the categories for, for male and female performers because they're too scared. Well, it's just a shame that, you know... It was a really tough one to win, and and now only half as many people are going to win it. Like and the I best totally male understand. actor, best female actor. I understand all Fantastic. the arguments. Two people are being celebrated there, but now it's yeah. just one. I understand all the arguments as to why they've done it, and as far as far as the solution goes for if you have a non-binary performer, I I don't know what the solution is in that situation, what category they would go in. I just think that this doesn't solve the problem at all it just takes opportunities away from people yeah no i agree um so 25th of april 5 p.m is when the vote closes there um after that the second round voting is going to be opening on may the 2nd at 10 a.m so we, it is it is, it is oh, indeed yeah. i was getting confused bank holiday monday is may thinking, the first isn't there any significant thing happening I was like, no, that's the coronation. You can't vote in that. That is that is a teacher Beginning strike day, May. May the 2nd. Just saying, that's quite significant. Um, and um, June the 2nd at 5pm is when your votes will stop being counted. Yes. So I've just realised this. So the SOAP Awards are not going to be in May at all. They're going to be in early June, it feels like. Um, I assume that the announcement of the date will come... Maybe it's going to be May the second when the um when the second round comes out. Maybe if that's when you're going to be able to get tickets as well. Out awards for the best leading performer of this podcast, I'd give it to you. 
I wouldn't. I think that you've given an excellent dramatic performance in the past 10 minutes. Yeah, Congratulations and brava. Um, we have not been talking very much about the Coronation Street tour this podcast, although we said a little bit about it, but the rest of it is still to come very soon. But believe us when we say yeah, it's it. really worth going to at the moment. It really, really is. Um, and if you want to go very, very much, but you ain't quite got the cash for it at the moment, then get yourself over to the Metro's website because they're running a competition at the moment. It runs until the 26th of April and there are five pairs of tickets up for grabs for Coronation Street, the tour. And uh, that can be take that can be claimed any point before the end of the year. Nice. You just you just gotta go there, and I think you just gotta say, yeah, I'd like to quite like to win, please. And you fill in your details. You don't even have to answer a quick quiz question or anything. Definitely worth it. I would say, wait until you hear about the sneaky stuff that we've seen there before you take yourself along there, possibly. Because <laughs> it's, it's okay. honestly, it is a it is a great great time. So competition um, on the metro, go there. Right, Kim Marsh. Yes. She has been asked about going back to Corrie because of the acid attack storyline. They invoked her name. What they should so have done. So now they have to all ask her. What they should have done in today's episode, because it's been, you know, a good week and a half or so, I think, since we've seen Ryan in, in, in a sad face. Maybe they should have said, oh, my mum's just left. She's been here Michelle's for the past week. Here. Michelle's been here. She's gone back. She's to gone back to Ireland now lives. because of how I don't know, you know, what this operation is still that Michelle supposedly had done. But you know, weeks Botched have passed fillers. now, and and is it all just because Ryan's telling her I don't want to see anyone that she hasn't turned up? Because if I was Ryan's mum. You know, and he's had acid thrown in the face. What can you just imagine the phone call there saying, "Oh, Ryan, I'm oh, sorry, I couldn't come and see you straight away because I had my operation, but I'm fine now. I'm going to come over to see you." No, no, Mum, I don't want anyone to see me at the moment. Okay. Oh, I'm so hideous. Oh, okay then, fine, because you know I it's did have to have hassle. some, had to find somebody to look after the cat. It's it's silly. They they should have had her visiting off screen probably, but anyway, um, she she has said. Um, that she, although she loves the show so much, she says it gave me gave me my start. Um, sorry, hearsay. We've forgotten about you. Gave me my start, and I will always love it from the bottom of my heart. But at the moment, I've been so lucky that I'm working and busy, and I've got too much to do yet before Michelle. So she's saying never say never about coming back to Coronation Street, but she's just too busy with her BBC things at the moment to be able to come back. So um, any Michelle fans, you have to keep on hoping for a little bit longer. Are you included in that, Gemma? I say take as long as you need. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry. I'm sure we'll be fine, Michelle, but maybe script writers for, you know, making sense sake. Have a visit off screen. Why start now? Right, let's do feedback. Yeah. I was about to go podcast time. Feedback time. It it's is part a podcast, of the podcast. So, yes, we have been doing a podcast for the last few hours. I'm going to say. Um, so three point three nine was what our Facebook group um, voted last week's Coronation Street, and that included Chad giving it three abandoned speed dial takeaways out of five. Oh. Nancy three and a half bog standard bonuses out of five, oh. and Richard gave it three and a half. Big hairy mafiosi kingpins masquerading as distant cousins out of five. 
And that's my pick of the week. Thank you to those three and <laughs> everybody else who voted. So we have got an email here from Louise who says, as someone who has grown up watching Corrie, I think this came last week. I think I missed this from last week's episode because we did the feedback section early. Sorry, Louise. As someone who has grown up watching Corrie, it always holds a special place in my heart. Over the past few years, life has led me to dip in and out of watching it. However, my family have always kept me informed as to what was going on at the time, especially things like the Pat Phelan saga. However... When I heard that Spider was returning to the show, it spurred me on to watch it again. At least, his and Toya's scenes. Classic Corrie had me falling hard for their relationship. I actually started to listen to the podcast back then. Your and Spider impressions are brilliant. Hey, Gemma. Oh, thanks for that. That's really nice of you. <laughs> it was only when I returned home for Christmas in 2022 that I spent the festive period watching Corrie with my family again. And just like your comment about people getting into watching the show from being exposed to it over Christmas, I've been hooked on the show full time ever since. My highlight... It's like a virus. <laughs> I was going home and getting reinfected. <laughs> my highlight for this year so far has definitely been the stalking slash acid attack storyline the acid attack episode will probably stay with me for a long time i personally love the dream sequence at the beginning of the episode what and the editing writing acting and direction were phenomenal all around yeah i'm what I know, I thought, yeah. you were i just i can't i can't get behind that dream sequence it just it didn't work for sequence? me the one that she just said that she liked daisy and daniel's dream sequence at the beginning oh, of the- yeah. Gemma is just about staying awake at the moment. We've, we've had a we've had a busy day, bless us, haven't we? Okay, well, listen, I like it when people write in for why they liked something we didn't like. I'm so glad, um, says Louise, that Ryan Prescott is getting such dramatic storyline to yeah. work with. And Charlotte Jordan's monologue about the lack of intervention by the police was heartbreaking, but brilliantly performed. I was on the edge of my seat whilst watching, and I was so inspired and affected by the episode that I ended up creating a fan vid based around oh. it. Yes, thank you. We, we saw that. It was a very good musical number it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, while I do agree that there may be too many issue stories all at once, the Consent and Paul's MND stories have both shown glimpses of greatness. After all, when Corrie is good, it is really good. Plus, when I can... When it's un- bad, it's horrid. <laughs> Plus, I can understand the people who may be concerned with the Acid Attack episode airing pre-Watershed, but I can say that I've learned more about what to do in the awful event of this happening to someone than I ever would have done if the story didn't exist. The fact that it's pre-Watershed is helping more people to talk about it. It may be awful, but it sadly does happen, and at least people can know how to prevent the damage from being too bad if it ever does occur. Anyway, I've rambled on for way too long, so I'll finish this off by thanking you guys for the brilliant podcast. Thank you. Lovely. You're making my office work day go a lot faster. I finally joined the Patreon, so I've got all those bonus episodes to work through, and I've gone back to the beginning of the podcast to relive the old storylines again. Oh, it always makes you cringe when people say that. But I'm glad you're enjoying it. Thank you very much for listening. She didn't say that. She didn't say say she's enjoying the old podcast. Yeah, we just, (laughs) just infer that, I'm sure. Um, well, thank, thank you, you for thank your you opinion very much, about the about the dream sequence and other things. Yeah. Now here's somebody we've not heard from for a little while as well. So this is Morgan. So he also messaged us in between us recording last week's feedback section and the podcast use normal recording session. So we did miss his comment, but he is back with a vengeance again. He's watching Corey again, and uh, this is what he has got to say 
about this week's episode. Gemma, over to you. Nobody can stay away for, for very long, can they? No. Right, so Morgan says, I think I'm still in shock from the sheer indescribability of creepy Stevie's murder hour to accurately sum up my thoughts on that storyline, but I believe it was Chekhov who famously said, famously said, if a tie pin is shown to be wobbly in Wednesday's episode, it must fall off in Friday's. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So you've, you you've noticed it as well. Stephen has now matched Hillman for the number of bodies, but with Elaine, quite frankly, crying out to get bumped off, this number may grow apace. I'm sure that we all of us think, oh no, please don't kill Michael, when Stephen inevitably brains him with a laminator. I shall... Perhaps brains is too generous, considering Michael <laughs> seems to be lacking the necessary tools for such a method of death. No, he's a very clever guy. Think about all of his amazing Inventions. designs. I'm struggling to read this because my eyes are so blurry because I've had higher day. I'm so sorry, I'm not doing a very good job. And yeah, Michael's made it incredibly small. <laughs> sorry. Let me right. just zoom, zoom, zoom. Keep going, keep going. Don't. Yeah, stop now. Stop it. All right. Hawkins says, what a wild crowd of invisible pleasure we got on Monday when Sarah found herself underneath Damon as the cycle of affair slash he's the daddy slash fallout now moves to Adam and Sarah. We have much to look forward to from these absolutely, from these developments. (laughs) We can only be grateful for altogether now inconvenient prop of the week. (laughs) I can't sing that. Inconvenient prop of the week. These absolutely ludicrous champagne flutes they had on Wednesday that were, you had to rip your wrap your lips around like you were blowing up a balloon to drink out. Well, of. Morgan, you've, you've been away from Coronation Street for a little while and let me tell you, we have those same champagne flutes. Are those the same ones? Yeah. Because they had champagne in the hotel as well, didn't they? Oh, they did, didn't they? We've got the bistro champagne flutes I don't, I don't care what anyone thinks of them. I think they're great. <laughs> And you're not supposed to stick your whole mouth over the job. Don't drink much champagne, Morgan, do you? <laughs> oh, well, no, it's not like we do. <laughs> no, I know. Right, he says, The small toys this week have come from Roy and Freddie and Evelyn, and with Roy handling handling the dog with an affection somewhere between lovely smiling cherub and unexploded bomb, <laughs> it's been really properly lovely to watch some wholesome and nicely constructed fluff and filler take up the remaining screen time and not, I don't know, more Stephen dropping bagfuls of rabbits into a steam engine or releasing some Bogan's Drixes into a crate. I have missed Morgan's food. He's great, isn't he? Good writer, very, very good. Anyway, this week gets two and a half. Children at Glenda's Performing Arts School who want to die. <laughs> and this week's character of the week is Evelyn. Welcome back, welcome back. I think we should combine the uh, boa constrictor and the performing arts school. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Right, children, pretend to be scared. (laughs) Wow, Um, you're doing such a great job. Nancy, thoughts on last week's Coronation Street. Tracy is just trying to be a good, concerned mother. Not sure she needed to put posters or glue her hand to the police station. Exactly, that's what I said. (laughs) Abby wants a happy outcome for Aaron, which is why she was quick to tell him that Amy took back what she said. Aaron still wants to think he's done nothing wrong. Interesting that Abby's not asked him to explain in detail what did happen that night, though. Mm. I think that Aaron will realise it was rape when he has his own flashback scene. Then he'll look to Abby for help and will need to educate himself. He may end up leaving or may be more cautious about getting into these situations, but I just hope Amy finds herself confidence to speak up about it. Gotta be cautious. Be very, very cautious. Don't... Mm. Just just wrap yourself in a plastic can, like bag and exactly. don't touch anybody else. Yeah. Then you won't get anything. No. 
especially not an STD or something. I felt bad for Paul. He's going to have to tell his family about it once he does get the diagnosis. If he does. I know Coronation Street will do a good job. I think he will. I was going to make it sound like you think that, like, Craig... Craig Tinker's going to shoot him in the back of the head because he thinks he murdered Rufus or something. <laughs> I do hope that Dee Dee stops Paul from doing any more jobs for Neil, though. I love Who's my... Neil? Neil? He was the... Wasn't Is he, he the... the crim? Yeah, he was the dodgy guy, wasn't okay, he? Okay, I don't remember his name. Or was it Neil? No, I don't know. I love Miley. I do think that Jackson and Faye are well suited oh, yeah, to each other, they? though. Is Jackson looking to leave Miley with Faye? Hmm. Michael and Ronnie can definitely create an obstacle for Stephen. I wonder if Michael will see Stephen kill Rufus. Not quite. Oh, that was the other thing I was wondering. Um, with a with a flashy pad that Rufus had there today. Any, oh, any CCTV? I thought you were talking about like a really cool mouse mat. No, like a period. Like, hey, ladies, yeah, you can grim. play tennis in your white clothes, but have you ever tried a flashing pad? Yeah, horrible. You're talking about pads and poo on paper. Yeah, honestly. poo on a bit of paper. And Lowering the tone of our high class podcast, Gemma. This is how we know you're tired. Just tell it like it is, and it's me. <laughs> yeah, don't you think that, you know, somebody like... <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say earlier that it, it would make sense he would have a ring doorbell or something. Some kind of security camera for... for uh, I don't, I don't need security cameras, because I'm well odd. And if anyone comes in here, I'll just karate chop him in the face. <laughs> it would be interesting to say, well, maybe something like that would pick up Paul, but there's no reason why it would pick up Paul and not... Here's my... Michael. ...question. And not... Stephen, obviously. Are we going to see Rufus as a ghost? No. Why? We saw Teddy and Leo. Oh, yes, we might do, mightn't we? Why are you always so cynical about the afterlife, Michael? <laughs> I think we just need to have a scene where all of Stephen's victims are having, like, coffee together or something. Should we have an argument about who had the best death? They need to have, like, a scene where there's a character walking... Or maybe it's just Stephen walking around the precinct and they're all sitting there having an ice cream at Sweet Enough or something. Yeah, share it a Sunday. Yeah. One Sunday, three spoons. Yeah. We just imagine uh, Rufus being like, oh, I was the best one because he actually meant to murder me and I, I got properly drowned and bumped off in the swimming pool. It was just accident, you two, really. <laughs> and you, you died by being hit by a hole punch. Call yourself a, a man. Isn't it? Oh, if I was someone hit me with a hole punch, I would just turn around and I'd just like do like kick him in the nuts and then I'd like karate chop him in the throat or whatever. Nice. Rubbish. Get on that description team, Gemma. Nancy gave last week's episode five three and a half bog standard bonuses out of five, like I said earlier, and her character of the week was Paul. Well, I said I would write the scripts, but I'm only doing it if I can do the voices and they said the the actors don't like it when somebody does the voices. Speaking of doing what would you like me to do your voice and read this last email? I know it's your turn. But you're a little bit on the on the I'm finding it on the very drowsy difficult side. to read things. I'm I'll really read, sorry. I'll read Rebecca's email. Okay. That's the last one. You have a little snooze there. Oh, I'm not going to snooze. I'm listening. Okay, Rebecca says I take back what I said over someone else needing to be attacked for Aaron to be prosecuted. You're right. Thank you. It will probably go the way of Aaron realizing what he did was wrong, and then he'll disappear. Maybe even the last scene we see is him handing himself into the police station. I also think that Ardy is a good character to believe Aaron out of the teens, as he's very trusting. But like you two said, it would be better if Asher was on Amy's side so that the two twins were pitted against each other. I feel so sorry for Amy thinking she had to change her story and her thinking nobody believes her anymore. Um, the Tracy sticking her hand to the counter was silly, but it shows that she felt she was at her last nerve with the police, and that was the only way that she could go. 
and Steve's boob apron, well, that was just a costume, <laughs> that was in the Barlow house, and it was something that Steve would pick, also adding to some humour as well. <laughs> Finally, love the Peter and Amy scene. Chris and Al played that one perfectly, but I also like Peter not sticking his nose in too much. I completely agree with your stance on Paul's story, but I also think it needs telling, especially as all I knew about motor neuron disease was that it was the one that rugby players got. And I'm not 100% sure about that, so I'm happy to learn more about it. Is this a disease that rugby players get? Where is this from? If you... Well, they, they had a lot of trouble with that in America with... Um, oh, okay, okay. Um, I'm going to take an estimated guess and say Paul will take a year to leave. It won't be three years, and I don't think it'll be quick again. Good use of the Alma story. I, however, think it would be super interesting and quite dark if Paul asked Billy to help him commit suicide. Mm. Oh my gosh, no. Then that I know we were saying that it I only seems like five say, minutes since the last Who's the Daddy's storyline, but that seems really right, close with Hayley. jump in and say, I haven't said this before because I didn't want to um, bring it up because... Um, but I've seen lots of people saying that they think that Paul's story is going to end in suicide, and I, I, I kind of agree, but I also am a bit worried about what kind of message does that send to people who have got a diagnosis of this or yeah, who maybe are looking at the idea of, of like, possibly getting a diagnosis. I just think it's awful, but I also think that a lot of, a lot of people... People I really, would say it's a really hard thing because you're not going to ever get better, mm, and it's only it's you know. I don't want it to go that way. There was also um, wasn't there something on EastEnders where Doc Cotton helped um one of her friends um end her own life when she had something bad, and that obviously conflicted with Dot's very devout religious beliefs. So I don't know whether it'd be the same as that. Apart from, I'm, I'm thinking probably with Doc Cotton doing it, it's more believable that she's agonising over it, and Paul um. I mean, Billy, I'm going to say he's not the most convincing of Christians at the best of times. So, oh, I just, I just don't, I, I don't know where I exactly want this to go, but I, I don't want it to be that, Rebecca. But doesn't mean it won't. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised, Rebecca says, if Paul and Billy got married during this story, either thus having the first gay wedding. And wouldn't it be tragic? I think it's sweet that Paul's trying to help Gemma, but not if he's putting his well-being into question. See, if they did have the first gay marriage being this... Right, number one, they're going to get criticised no matter what they do. They've missed the boat for, oh, yay, progressive. Isn't it great? Mm. Corrie's doing a gay wedding. They've missed the boat by so many years now. The thing is, when Corrie does do its first gay wedding, you know they're going to be trumpeting it, aren't they? Like when the Baileys came in. But it feels like it would be a big mistake and it would only serve to highlight the fact they haven't had one yet. And then if they were to have... Paul and Billy get married, they're going to have to deal with the bury your gays argument yeah. again. Yeah. And I just think th- that would be a big mistake. Mm. I, um, yeah, I, I... But then they can't write the story to for Twitter, can they? Mm. I think that even if Corrie isn't the one saying, look at us, we're doing our first gay wedding, somebody will get we'll hold of that. It. You know, we'll be saying it, won't be. So it's... Well, Maybe that they just well, got to bite the bullet. There's, they have. Um, Faye and Jackson are going to end up together. There we go. I've said it. I also think that Jackson might ask Faye to go back to Canada with him and Miley. Did feel sorry for Craig getting mixed up, but they're still sports after all. So I thought Miley would have been a little bit more grateful to Craig, and Beth was only trying to help as well in her own Beth way. Speaking of Canada, I felt sorry for Michael this week, especially when Stephen was shouting at him. 
I wouldn't mind, however, if Stephen killed Uncle Ronnie. <laughs> Uncle Battle. <laughs> yeah, the Battle of the Uncles. I also like the mansion of Gabrielle again. And, the mansion. Mansion, thank you. Not the mansion of Gabrielle. We That's did see good. one mansion this week. She's renting it out to Rufus. Well, yeah, it's free now, isn't it? Maybe Gabrielle can move into it. The mention of Gabrielle again and Elaine thinking that Stephen is being cohesively controlled by her. Coercively. But yes, again, watch your back, Michael. Sarah is going to be definitely sleeping with Damon. She just can't help herself. True, it happened. I don't think he's changed, but Sarah will think he has, resulting in them sleeping together. I'm relieved that Nick and Leanne seem to be back on the right track, although I wish we would have seen the Easter egg hunt. That would have been super cute. Also, I love Shona mentioning that Gail has gone to visit Joe's grave. That was really funny. I also agree, Gemma. I don't think Estelle is to be trusted, although I did really enjoy Ruthie and Jodie's performance. I think this will just be a few weeks story, but I'd happy to see Ruthie and Corey again. I also enjoyed seeing George and Todd back again as well, especially as we haven't for a while. Finally, sad that Bill has died. Oh, Bill Webster. <laughs> He's moved. And he did get a kind of nod this week, didn't he? Because didn't Debbie was like... Oh yeah, my dad used to travel all over Europe, but I'm so glad that we got some chance to sit with to stay with him. Anyway, moving on. I'm not happy with it, not happy. Anyway, I'm happy with the tribute where Rebecca says that we got, Gemma said, some people got less than what Bill got. And yes, Debbie's morning outfit I loved, and I also loved the little scene with Debbie and Abby. Character of the week is Paul. Peter Ash is doing a fantastic job, although Amy was a very close second. I will give this week three and a half cheating cow flower arrangements out of five. I was like, what's a cow flower? <laughs> Thank you very much, Rebecca. And uh, we have got, we've got one final email from Jonathan. Gemma, are you, are you, are you up for reading this one? This one think? is, prepare yourselves, because this one is, is a sad one, but it's one of these ones we get through where um, a story turns out to have a lot more personal impact on people. Mm. And um, when we watch these show, we watch these stories. It always is really touching that we hear people discuss the things that we're watching on the telly. Yeah. But they've gone through them in real life. Mm-hmm. So Jonathan says, um, "You wondered aloud on this week's podcast whether there was anyone in the Conversation Street family who would be personally touched by Paul's motor neurone disease storyline." And the answer here is a very definite yes. My father was diagnosed with a disease in the week of his 70th birthday back in 2016, several months after he noticed he was occasionally losing his footing when walking, and he died just seven months later. While seeing the storyline on screen has already obviously brought back some sad memories, and I'm expecting Paul's decline to be heartbreaking to watch, I do welcome the decision to highlight M&D on the programme. It will raise awareness of the disease and its devastating impact, and hopefully indirectly help the Motor Neuron Disease Association and others raising funds to work work on research into the disease which we hope might one day result in a cure you said that Stephen Hawking was the only MND sufferer of whom you had been aware but he was a very atypical sufferer in that he was diagnosed age 21 and given a couple of years to live but in fact lived for another 55 years for most of those given an MND diagnosis it really is a pretty short life sentence I'm glad I'm glad that Jonathan wrote in about this because I didn't make that clear, but no. he is like incredibly remarkable. Mm-mm. Even if it if that was the only thing he'd done in his life. Yeah. Um so Jonathan says, I know Peter Ash, the scriptwriters and the production team are working with the Motor Neuron Disease Association and others to ensure the most realistic portrayal possible portrayal possible. 
Having followed my dad's decline, generally seeing him a couple of times a week during that time, there really was a palpable sense each week of seeing how the disease had progressed, discovering which tasks or everyday actions he could no longer do for himself. How long before Paul has to give up driving, putting an end to his newfound hustle, aiding insurance scams? How long before they'll need to fit a stair lift to enable him to reach his and Billy's first floor flat? Is it even wheelchair friendly? I've got a feeling, and I don't think I'm mixing up flats here, that that flat might already have one. Because didn't, didn't Izzy, Izzy was live in a flat, there? but I didn't it? think it was that one. I can't remember. I might be getting them jumbled with one around the corner. Could have been that one. But anyway, so possibly is already there, but maybe has been forgotten about. Aside from the physical decline, it might well affect Paul's mental health. Being told you have a short time to live with a degenerative condition is difficult, although I dare say it affects different people in different ways. I love that Paul was thinking about Gemma's wedding and making it happen and being part of it. When my dad was diagnosed, I asked him if he had a bucket list of things he wanted to do so we could help him make the most of his short time he had left. But sadly, he just seemed to think, what's the point? And dealing with depression became an additional burden. If Paul can channel a bit of positivity amidst the gloomy prospects, I hope it might encourage others faced with this situation to want to make the most of the every day that you've got. I see that Peter is doing the Greater Manchester, Great Manchester Run next month in aid of the Motor Neuron Disease Association. I hope you will use the good offices of the Conversation Street social media pages to spread the word and encourage people to sponsor him if they can. But there we go. Which we will do. Oh, yes, yes. I think we'll have to um, sponsor him as well. And I'm also fairly sure that when it comes to December's patron, well, that we'll could be well be where the, uh, a chunk. the money is heading for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, yeah so I mean, I'm really sorry that you have a personal experience with this mm. storyline. And uh, it just does. And, and I know I've been kind of saying, oh, what a smug do gooder he's being, but I, <laughs> I totally get what you're saying as well about maybe well, him listen, being positive might encourage it's... other sufferers to find a bit of positivity too. Yeah, I mean, apart from that though, the psychological. Mm. Think about think about the fact that he, as long as he's doing something to help Gemma or trying to make a positive change in the world, he's not thinking about. Mm. What he's got. Yeah, what is, yeah, what's coming at him. It's just awful. I'm so sorry this happened mm. I mean, to your family, Jonathan. Yeah, and seven months as well. And and, and that does seem like, you know, I, I don't want this storyline to go any longer than that. But I've kind of... Michael. Well, no, I'm just saying it's it's good. It's it's sad stuff, isn't but it? But see, this is but what I Jonathan didn't realize was saying that it here. It could be that quick. About, about depression and sort of feeling very despair. I can't see how you would be any. Uh, uh, it would take an incredible amount of willpower to to, to turn this into anything positive. Mm. But m- like Jonathan says, perhaps that could be something that would, you know, if at the end of you know at the end of his life, Paul can can say, at least I got to see you get married, yeah. and then we all cry. <laughs> I mean, and this is why I was saying. I've, although I've seen people saying, I think maybe Paul might um, decide to end his life rather than, you know, waiting for the disease to, to do it. I think that would be such a hard negative message to send to people who are already really struggling. And it kind of like, <clears throat> it just sends, just sends a bad message. Mm. Like, oh, why would I, I don't want to be a burden. I might as well do what Paul did I I just don't add in that on top I can see why people think that it makes sense from a narrative perspective and also from the 
point of view of how can we actually f- depict the physicality of Paul going through this process, which would leave him, you know, emaciated and, and yeah. um, looking very physically different than he does now, you know, to bypass all of that difficulty. But I just don't think it... I'd, I think it would be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And Coronation Street has got an opportunity here to to do something different. Well, they, they managed to make, like, Hayley look like she was physically declining slightly, didn't they? I know they didn't, you know, she didn't go full term with with her illness and she chose to end her life early. It's not called going full term. No, I know, I was thinking that's not the right <laughs> way of saying it. That's I'm gonna, having I'm a gonna baby, have, isn't I'm going to have a miscarriage on this uh, disease. I'm just going to stop now. You know now. what I mean. You know, I am also quite tired. Yeah. Um, I, I think you, I think I think Corey will do a good job with this story, and I, and I think that when the it's wedding happens, it's going to be um, yeah. Who knows? Maybe um, he'll have a lovely wedding, and then he'll uh, worry about his diagnosis. But then it was all for nothing because Stephen pushes him in a pool. Maybe, maybe. And then we'll all go. Oh, that was a nice ending. But at least, yeah, at least it saved him some of the heartache they would have had to go through. Right. Think we're done. I yeah, think that's sorry it. that that was a downer to end on, but we have um, patron to say thank you to Courtney. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this thanks week, for joining Courtney. our Corrie Nation. Yes, it is, isn't it? Um, so we are done for this episode. I will conversation street at gmail.com is yes. our web email address. Yes, indeed. Our website is com- conversationstreet.podbean.com. Mm-hmm. My eyes have gone blurry. I'll read this, it's fine. ITunes. Give us an iTunes review. Review us on Spotify. Review us on Google Podcast. Review us in different places. We Don't might not be able to find them. About but... our a competition for a water bottle on yes, our social media. That. You've only got social a couple of means. days. And also don't forget that we're doing our YouTube shorts and we've got a new one up. Yes, I put up a new YouTube short up just today it's about looking through. Nana through the key. It's about oh. looking through the. Nana um, through the key. Putting me off. Oh. Looking through the letterboxes on the Coronation Street tour, you get a little video of what you see if you try and look inside all of the ones on the terrace side of the street. It's quite fun, and it's and, only a minute. And we challenge you to do the same on the other side. <laughs> um, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Patreon, we're, we're on Twitter, we're everywhere. We're not though, we're not on We're not on Snapchat or TikTok. We were talking on the journey up to London today what? about whether we should, what we should do about this Mastodon thing, because that's been going Don't for a little while, if I and Twitter understand. just still seem to be on a bit of a decline. <laughs> oh my god. Even if people haven't abandoned it quite as quickly as they threatened just think... to when Elon took over. It kind of reminds, like, do you think that he's got, Elon Musk has got some kind of weird, like claws in someone's will or something you know like where, where Bruce's millions or whatever it's like you you've got to spend a million pounds and if you have anything left by the end of it then you won't get my full inheritance Probably. do you think they're like right you've got to wipe four billion pounds <laughs> off the off the off Twitter's net worth mm. do you think that Stephen Reed models himself on Elon Musk Elon Musk is he like models his himself on Stephen Reed uh oh He's probably like, if I, if, I could only, with him. if I could only bump some of my business rivals off. <laughs> well, I am looking forward to next week's Coronation Street. Very, very intrigued, even if some bits 
feel like they might be quite obvious of where they're going on the Steven storyline. Nice to see the acid stuff coming back, but let's have more Daisy. I don't want the acid storyline to just be, you know, Alia and Ryan now. Let's get Daisy back in it, please. Um, please. That's it, though. Thank you, everybody, for listening and joining us on our little London trip away here. Have a nice and, uh, weekend. Yes. And that's and it. And don't forget to polish the banister. Goodbye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Oh, oh, oh.